DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, here till 4 a.m., as we are every weeknight, week morning, uh, 11 p.m. to uh, 4 a.m. And uh, it is a Tuesday morning. Oh, well, it will be, I should say. It will be Tuesday. Uh, after midnight, our good buddy Tom Appel is going to join us, publisher of the Consumer Guide Automotive. Um, and um, we got a, a lot of car and automotive stories to talk about from the news and also uh, answer any and all of your questions. Or if you're uh, in, in, in the market for a car, he will help you out. And uh, he joins us once a month. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We've got some uh, horror stories from tenants that uh, make will make you never want to rent again. You ever have a bad landlord? Tom, you ever have a bad landlord? You know what? I only ever had one landlord. Really, I, I don't know. Do I do I count my parents as landlords? <laughs> they were okay. Uh huh. They were fine as property people. As parents, they were great. But yeah. Um, no, I only I only ever had one landlord really, mm-hmm. and he was a good guy. I mean, he was a good guy. He lived right downstairs. Um, you know, wife, couple of kids, regular dude. Mm-hmm. I was in college. He didn't seem to mind if we had parties or anything as long as the cops didn't show up. <laughs> well, that's that's nice. That's a, I feel like that's a low bar for entry. Yeah. Um, you know, every once in a while he'd come hang out if we were sitting on the porch, you know, just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, the pretty good landlord. Technically, am I a landlord? I own my my condo. I guess that makes me somewhat well, you're, a landlord. You're your own landlord. You don't own exactly. You're not. You don't run the building, and I'm you? giving myself a low a low score. Okay. Well, um, currently, um, I have a good landlord. I like him. You know, when something's wrong, he fixes it. Um, he owns a lot of buildings. He's one. He's one. Of, he's a kind. He's the kind of guy that has a lot. You know, he's the landlord to a lot of tenants. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of tenants. Property management is kind of his thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, I've been living in this apartment now f- since 2011. So nine years, over nine years I've been in this apartment. Um, I've never really had a, a, a bad landlord. Though. When I lived in Andersonville for 13 years, my landlord lived below me on the first floor. I was on the second floor. He was on the first floor, and we used to hang out and drink beer and stuff. He was a good guy, hung out at Simon's. Um, the landlord at the, uh, honey, honey, do complex. What is it? No, honey, bee complex. <laughs> I got the name of the place. Uh, the was kind of, was a honey bee complex was kind of sight unseen. You know what I mean? He was one of those. Well, I mean, very rarely was he around. Only if he's got, you know, fix your shower drain or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something, something along those lines. But I mean, it was, you know, it was a big, it was a complex. <laughs> it was big. So, um, would you would you consider having a, a resident assistant like having a landlord, an RA? Well, um, you, this they is, function like a landlord. I guess they do. They tell you and, and they search through your stuff, man. I'll tell you, they do. Yeah, they used to do room checks. At the end, of, at, at a certain point every semester, you get a room check, and they had to they had to make sure that you weren't living in complete squalor. Oh, but they would also look for contraband. I see. And that sort of thing. So we, I mean, it was always kind of a game in college of uh, trying to avoid the IR, uh, the IRA, the RA, 
the yeah. IRA Act. <laughs> avoid them too, yeah. but uh, avoiding the RA. That's, I think I, I don't think it'd be difficult to avoid the IRA when you're <laughs> yeah. at Loyola. Yeah, here, here uh, in Chicago. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't think they're operating a cell. Um. Uh, so, so listen to this. Uh, a Halifax landlord has removed the doors, windows, and kitchen sink faucet from an apartment unit in Fairview to get the couple living there to leave. It's a huge shock to come home and find out basically your home has been raided, said uh, Melody Bald- Baldock. She and her partner, Larissa Forrest, have been at odds with their landlord, Adam Baird, for months. He told CBS News that they've been problematic tenants, not paying their rent, fighting with neighbors, and causing damage to the building. When their lease expired at the Main Avenue apartment at the end of April, Barrett would not renew, but he said he tried working with them to clear their rental uh, arrears uh, in the place, uh, a couple in one of their buildings. That deal never came together. So he turned off the power to their unit. After almost four months, Barrett said he resorted to removing pieces of the apartment because he lost his patience. Well, that's, I mean, they should leave. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know if taking the doors, I I feel like there's got to be some rights involved with that. You know, you can't just take off the doors and faucet. (laughs) You know, they're they're people. There's legal proceedings that must be, you know, followed. Yeah. Well, it seems a little extreme, but also they should leave. That's true. <laughs> Just get out. Get, get out. It's not for, you know. If you're fighting with neighbors, reason. you're causing damage to the building, and you're not paying your rent, you need to leave. The rent alone. Well, yeah, of course. Not to mention, I mean, there's nothing worse than having bad neighbors, especially if you live in a... Con- Did you have decent neighbors at the Honeybee Complex? <laughs> um, <laughs> so... I, I moved into the Honeybee Complex with my friend Scott Oaken, whose original roommate at the Honeybee Complex was a guy named Ernie who who moved out to get married. So the wife didn't want to come live at the Honeybee. No, complex? didn't want to leave at the Honeybee uh, Honeybee Complex. So Scott's like, "You want to move in with me?" And I'm like, "Sure." So I move in. I move my stuff in. You know, and the first day that I'm there, like you know, fully moved in, not a moving day, but like the first day that I'm there. Uh, I, I'm going to go down to the laundry room and do a, do a load of laundry. I walk out. There's a guy with a can of uh, Old Milwaukee in nothing but briefs, drunk, just kind of staggering around in the in the hallway. So that was like my introduction. Um, that was your welcoming committee. Yeah, this guy was loaded. <laughs> a guy loaded in his underwear. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm trying to do the laundry, and he's standing in there in his in his briefs with an old Milwaukee just staggering around in the hallway. They lived across the hall from us, right across the door, like right outside across the hall from us. So, um, I mean, they weren't loud or crazy. They didn't do, you know, I mean, they were they drank a lot. So did we, but we weren't out in the hallway in our briefs. That's the key. Yeah. We decider. we kept it inside the apartment. We didn't. You guys were inside in your briefs. Yeah, drinking. Yeah, drinking and watching Beavis, Beavis and Butthead eight hour marathon. And another thing that happened while while we were living in the Honeybee Complex is the whole David Koresh thing. You know, we followed that whole thing. You know, the whole Waco thing. That happened. That's the time period it happened. 
Um, so yeah, it was that was we're talking early nineties. That's that's what we're talking. And we also had a guy because it was a big, you know, complex. They all looked the same. If you go up, this was on Foster, like you know, west of uh, Cumberland. So it was almost Norwich. So, but if you go up that, if you go up Foster, if you're west on Foster, every single one of those apartment complexes looks exactly the same. All built by probably the same. Exactly company. the same. Mm. Like if you were to come home drunk, it would be it would be very easy to go to the wrong building. Because they look, everything looked exactly the same. You might show up outside the wrong door with a can of old Milwaukee in in your briefs. In your briefs. So, um, but as far as like neighbors go, we had the guy who lived across the parking lot from us, who lived across the courtyard from us, who would blast uh, that Righteous Brothers song. Oh, Unchained Melody. Yeah. Just blast it over and over and over again. We called him Swayze. We just called him Swayze because obviously it's used in the movie Ghost. Uh, so yeah, I mean we didn't have we didn't have fights with our neighbors or anything like that. The guys across the hallway from us were drunk. It was it was a cast of characters. Yeah, not and it wasn't really even that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean just it was a couple uh, a couple. Yeah, I mean just the, the guys across the hall from us uh, and they moved out. We, uh, we I lived there for three years and they moved out about a year and a half after I moved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for for a while they would just be out in the hallway. They weren't loud or disturbing anybody. They would just stand out there, and... stand out there. Loaded. I don't understand why they would be out in the hallway. There's really nothing in the hallway. Not even talking. You could fall down the stairs. I mean, hurt yourself because yeah. we lived on the third floor. Sure. So they'd just be standing out there, what? Just having a quiet conversation. They'd or have just... their apartment door open. Okay. They would leave the apartment door open, which I never quite understood. Yeah, it seemed that's that's a bold move. Yeah. In Chicago, leave your apartment door open. Just leave the apartment door open. Hey! They would wave when I would get my keys out to be like, All right. go into my apartment. See ya. But we never had any, we didn't have any, like, you know, conflicts or anything like that. And I know that, you know, you can have nightmare neighbors. Um, You know, when I lived in Andersonville, I've told you this before, we had the crazy woman, I, li- I had the crazy woman that lived on the third floor who was complaining that everything was loud, even though I was just sitting in my house watching TV. It's too loud. So, and then we had the uh, the lunatic couple that lived next door. Resume? I don't need. What? I don't need no damn resume. That's the one thing we heard. So, all right, uh, we've got some uh, tenant horror stories and some nightmare neighbor stories, uh, and everybody's had at least one sort of horror story about you know living with people because they're people. <laughs> and we'll talk about that uh, and more. Uh, and then uh, after midnight, Tom Pell's going to join us. All right. Hey, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Hey, it's Nick DiGilio. Uh We are live in the Skyline studio here, coming up on a Tuesday morning. Tom Appel, our good buddy over at uh, Consumer Guide Automotive, is going to uh, visit us uh, for his monthly visit to talk everything car and automotive related. And if you have a uh, question or you need some advice uh, in the world of car or automotive things, it's 312-981-7200. Um, we're going to talk about some fast food myths, uh, haunted houses that you can actually purchase. And, um, 
we got some bad landlord stories that we're going to talk a little bit about here and then come back to that a little bit later as well. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom here on WGN. So, yeah, I never really had um, any uh, sort of nightmare landlord stories, you know? I mean, we were, you know, when I lived with Heather, it was her condo, you know. Um, but yeah, that was about that was about it. So, but I've I've heard some stories, and here are a couple. Um, these are real stories from uh, real people involving sort of nightmare landlord stories. And if you've got something that you would like to share with us. If you were a tenant in a building and it was not good, 312-981-7200. Every landlord seems to have a horror story about problem tenants, but there's a flip side to that coin. There are plenty of nightmare landlords out there, too. Some of them are so horrendous that they might have you scrambling to save up for that down payment on a house. Uh, From a little crazy criminal, uh, we've got some uh, to, to don't hesitate before you sign. Make sure you hesitate before you sign that lease. A husband and wife team of landlords terrorized tenants in their San Francisco apartment building, earning them the much-deserved nickname Landlords from Hell. Their goal, drive residents out so that they could sell the apartments for a profit. Their tactics, stealing tenants' belongings, shutting off their power, boarding up the windows, cutting their phone lines, and even sawing through the floor trying to make it collapse. My God. Um, that's not a good way to sell anything. No, it's like, hey, if you buy a buy a place here, yeah, if the you wanna, power goes out, like to, would you like to buy? Would you like to buy this? Uh, would you like to buy this uh, apartment? Because you know, there's no floor. Well, who needs it? We'll we'll buff it out. We'll buff it'll it. Be out. Fine. Yeah, it'll be. Fine. <laughs> we're fixing it. We're fixing fine. a divot. <laughs> All right. How about this? Shoveling is a man's job. Clearly. It's not the 1950s anymore, but one Wisconsin landlord certainly missed the memo. A single mother hoping to rent a two-bedroom home on a cattle farm was told she wouldn't be considered because she didn't have a man around to shovel snow. The landlord, who also said that she never rents to single mothers and thinks they are part of the country's economic problems, was later charged with violating the Federal Fair Housing Act. And it was a woman. No single mothers, because you don't brutal. have a man around to shovel. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have someone around to help you shovel, but I think uh, it can be done. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. Oh man, uh, how about this? A white only swimming pool. Oh my god. An Ohio landlord lost a discrimination lawsuit after she put up a sign on her property's swimming pool declaring it to be white only, quote-unquote. A resident says the sign appeared a week after he bought his, uh, brought his biracial daughter to the pool, after which the landlord questioned whether products that she used in her hair would make the water cloudy. The landlord unsuccessfully argued that the sign was just an antique. An antique? What does that mean? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, hold on. Let me get out my antique. No Irish need apply. Yeah. 
Don't worry. It doesn't mean anything. It's just an it's, antique. It's, it's an antique. It's not racist. My goodness. That was charming back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Archie Bunker. Yeah. You know. Racist. <laughs> yeah, that's uh <sighs> That's insane. That's just insane. Absolutely insane. Well, she did lose the discrimination lawsuit. So there's something to, there's something yeah. right there, but you know, but her thought process still exists, and that, that's a problem. Yeah. That must have been a pretty easy case. Well, yeah. Just look at the sign. <laughs> Judge is like, and do now you, you, do put, you, well, need, you put what on the pool? Do you <laughs> even need an attorney? Just walk into the courtroom with the sign and go, look. Here, excuse me, Your Honor. I brought you this picture. Yeah. Please feel to review as evidence. And I'm, and I'm done. And my case is closed. No further questions, no Your further Honor. No further questions. I'm done. <laughs> if every court case or lawsuit could be handled like that, that would be easy. Yeah, you see this this picture here? It's a, it's of a sign that says uh, white only by the swimming pool. Are we done now? Thank you. Thank you, Judge. Thank you for uh, letting me win the easiest discrimination lawsuit in the history <laughs> just, of discrimination lawsuits. People are just so... Oh. Uh, it can be hard to control every creepy crawly, but some tenants in Los Angeles were forced to deal with cockroaches that crawled into their ears and burrowed into their electronics. Oh. They spawned inside refrigerators infested in kids' beds, according to do- uh, court documents. Also a problem, rats, exposed wires, and lead paint. They later reached a $2 million settlement with their landlord, who claimed he used a pest company, but some tenants refused to open their doors. <sighs> Did you ever ever have to deal with a pest in your home? Yeah. What are we talking here? Roaches. Roaches. Yeah. How bad did it get? Bad. Like, this was when my folks were li- folks and I were living on um, on Addison. Mm-hmm. We had neighbors move in on the first floor. Brought them with. Mm. Is that usually how it happens? Yeah. Someone breaks. Unless the you, I mean, unless you live in squalor. Yeah. You know, roaches don't just show up. No, they come for a reason. Yeah, but like these people, you know, they moved in and they, they were in their furniture and you know and all that stuff, and so we had you know we had roaches. <sighs> my God. We'd have exterminator come out. Uh, it got pretty bad. Gas we, the place. We did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was really bad. It was really bad. It lasted for about six months before we moved. And then we had everything. We had the whole, like when we moved, um, we moved to a place on Mango Street. <laughs> um, and as soon as we moved everything in, we bombed the place. And then it was, it was okay. But, but for a while, it was pretty bad. So, but outside of that, not really. A bug here and there, water bug, stuff like that. You all, you, we all get that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just going to happen. Yeah. Water bugs are, are, are creepy because they're so big. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you pull your shower curtain back, you go, hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, it was, it was, it's not pleasant. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm thankful for. I've never had to deal with that kind of uh yeah, that kind of pest. You know, you got your common house spiders and maybe a centipede here and there. Yeah. You know, just comes out of the woodwork every once in a while. But yeah. But no, this was bad. This was this was real bad. Infested with roaches. Not good. Pull over your your bed sheet. <sighs> you turned the lights out and they were crawling all over the place. Yeah. Did that ever happen? You walked into a room, flipped the lights on, and just... Every time I went to the bathroom. 
Every time I went to the bathroom. So, all right. Well, uh, it only lasted for a few months. It was terrible, but, and we moved. So, all right. uh, We'll get back to more of these crazy tenant stories from uh, landlords and stuff. But Tom Appel is going to join us, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotives. Uh, And we've got a break here on uh, WGN. Right, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. Tom Appel is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. He joins us once a month uh, to talk uh, automotive news and cars and answer any and all of your automotive or car-related questions. If you're in the uh, market for a car and so on and so forth, he can help you out. Uh, 312-981-7200. And you can follow uh, Tom at car underscore guy underscore Tom. And let's say hello to Tom. Tom, hi. Hey. How are you? I am well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, you've been busy? <laughs> yes. Yes, we're crazy busy. Um, people may not be buying that many cars, but we're testing as many as ever. So, yeah, that hasn't changed. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, let's let's uh, uh, get all the info on Consumer Guide Automotive. Yeah, we are Consumer Guide Automotive. We've been around since 1967. Folks can check us out at consumerguide.com. From there, you can check out our podcasts or go to our blog. The blog is all sorts of fun. Uh, people are starting to enjoy the podcast, so check those out, too. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the podcast. Who, you, who do you do it with, and how often do you post? Yeah, me and co-host Damon Bell uh, do a podcast every week. We record on Thursday, usually goes live on Friday. We try to include uh, whatever the big news is that week, one car review, one guest, and then I do a fun quiz where I try to stump Damon and sometimes guest Jill Simonillo, uh, who joins us often. Uh, and, and that's really the show. We, we try to keep it quick and easy and, and light, and it's a lot of fun. What, what kind of questions do you, uh, do you, do you uh, try to quiz them on? I've been doing um, my fallback quiz because it's so much fun is the fake car color quiz. Um, <laughs> our companies are crazy at branding and naming colors, yeah. so it's really easy to make up fake names that are just weird enough that they could be real. Right. Well, what? Are, okay. What are some of the? Because we've talked about uh, the, the weird uh, names of colors that they've that they've uh, assigned to cars. What are some of your favorites? One of my favorites, uh, the Porsche 911, for example. This is an iconic car. Everyone knows what it looks like, even if they don't know it by its number. It, right. it is the Porsche that we all associate with Porsche. Most of the names involve 17 syllables. There is <laughs> one color, one flat color for the car called chalk. <laughs> <laughs> chalk. Well, that sounds... Chalk. Jeez, that sounds inviting. So, um, it's actually a beautiful color. It, it is a flat color um, um, under coats and coats of clear coat, and it looks fantastic on the car, and it really, really shows off the car's contours. But it's it is not not a very bit of a uh, sexy bit of branding. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like it. Hey, what color would you like? How about chalk? <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Uh, so, so you try and fool them with the? Uh, uh, do you do pretty well at fooling them on the with these quizzes? 
Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Typical. Usually, it's a five question quiz, and uh, the end score is usually like two to one, something like that. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, people can get the the podcast anywhere you can get podcasts, right? Yes, yeah, we've got 45 episodes out there right now, uh, covered all sorts of different topics, all sorts of fun guests, too. And you got a link to that on uh, at ConsumerGuide.com. We do. All right, cool. What are you currently driving, Tom, I always ask you? Um, I just got out of a really interesting car. I just drove the Cadillac CT5. Um, for folks who have been following the grim tale of the sedan, Cadillac dropped four sedans from its lineup in the last 18 months and replaced them with two sedans. One is very small, the CT4, and one's a little bit bigger. It's close to midsize, the CT5. I drove the CT5, and it, it's interesting bit of positioning for Cadillac because it is less expensive than its previous cars and maybe just a little bit less um, um, aggressively styled, but I think it's a very clean and good-looking car, and I really enjoyed it. And the exciting thing is I drove the V version, the performance version, uh-huh. and fully equipped with all the stuff. It came in under $60,000. Kind of a deal in this class, and I yeah. really enjoyed driving it. Oh, all right. And uh, what else have, uh, has been driven around the office? I know uh, a lot of people do the test driving, so what what are, what other cars are, are, are have been driven? We recently were paid a three-day visit, three full days, 72 hours, uh, by the Rolls-Royce Dawn Black Badge Edition. Whoa! <laughs> that was the first Rolls-Royce we've, we've spent time with in a couple of years, and uh, did not disappoint. The Dawn is a gigantic convertible, um, and it, it, it's hard to call it beautiful, but you can see that's expensive. And when you're talking about a car this expensive, value no longer enters into the equation. Someone who spends this much money for a car knows what they're doing knows why they're buying it. But that said, I don't think people will be disappointed. It is incredibly silky smooth underway. It rides incredibly well. The cabin is beautiful. It is fast if you feel like going fast at a Rolls Royce. Uh, but but I did have a chance to drive it up to Wisconsin with the top down, and it was everything I could have Oh, expect. wow. <laughs> Driving a Rolls, con- you know, uh, that's a convertible up to Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, cross the state line. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. What's that? Okay, just uh, what's that going for? That one, as equipped, was $477,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you you can't really have a conversation about value. Oh, it, it, man. <laughs> now, let me ask you something, Tom. Just on the simplest of levels, are you ever nervous when you're driving a $477,000 car? Here's a true story. It, it has very high fenders. It, it just sits high off the ground, and I pulled it into a McDonald's drive-thru, because when you have a Rolls-Royce, that's what you do. <laughs> and I immediately regretted doing it, because I couldn't see the outside curb. So oh. that, was, that was the most nervous I've been in years, but uh, everything ended up just fine. Oh, okay. All right. I would be a nervous wreck driving a $477,000 <laughs> car. Jeez. Okay, hold on, Tom. Will do. All right. We got some uh, phone lines open and people are on hold. We got some questions already for Tom. Any automotive or car related questions, if you're looking to buy or lease a car or you just want uh, some advice, 312 981 7200. And uh, Tom Appel is with us once a month. We got a lot of uh, automotive uh, news stories as well. And uh, we will continue right here on 720 WGN. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Hey, by the way, it's officially my dad's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
He'll do a little celebrating, I think. So, uh, so happy birthday to my dad. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you have any automotive or car-related questions or concerns or you need some advice. Tom Appel is with us for his monthly visit. He's from Consumer Guide Automotive. Follow him uh, online or on Twitter or on the devices at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Always a lot of automotive news to talk about, and we've got people who are calling in uh, with questions. Hello, Tom. Hello. All right. Uh, we got some people on the line uh, that um, maybe need a little help and have some questions. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Here's Stuart on WGN. Go ahead, Stuart. Yes. Good morning. Hey, hey Nick. How you doing? Nice to talk to you again. Yeah. Just want to say real quick also, uh, your dad's joke yesterday was probably the best one yet, and tell him I said happy birthday. I will. <laughs> I will. It was a great, it was a really good joke. Uh, yes, it yeah, was. That, yeah. that was awesome. Uh, morning, Tom. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I've got a quick question for you. I've got, I drive a 2007 Lincoln Town Car, uh-huh. and for like the last three, four months, I've had a slight exhaust leak, but because of my work slowdown because of COVID, I haven't been able to get it addressed. And tonight, and this is perfect timing to have you on the show, I was coming home from work about a half hour ago, and all of a sudden the service engine light came on, it was blinking, and then it went solid, and the car just started running rough and almost missing. If it was my 66 Chevelle, I'd say, oh, there's something with the, with the spark plugs or the uh, the timing's off. Yeah. But I've got a guess. I was wondering what your expert guesstimate might be. I've got an idea of what it might be, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. So that happens suddenly. That's what you're saying? Yeah, just I was driving, and all of a sudden, boom, it just started happening. If, if something it's, like it's that always happens, rode smooth as silk. Yeah, that sounds like an exhaust, or not an exhaust, but maybe an emissions thing went foul. Real common. Right. I was is, thinking is an oxygen, oxygen sensor. sensor. Would that sound about right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it is a very frequent, uh, that's, that's the go-to thing that goes wrong in the emissions system. Okay, yeah, you know, the cars are so different now than when I first started driving, where I could actually work on them. <laughs> yeah. It was computer-driven. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could, change, I could do it all myself, and now it's like I opened the light and just stand there like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, it was very nice talking okay. to you. Thank you for the Thank uh, you, the Stuart. Info, and uh, have a great uh, great rest of your day, and okay. stay safe, everybody. Take care. All right, there's uh, Stuart uh, with his Lincoln Town car. Uh, that's that, Is that a common thing, uh, Tom? Yeah, especially in a car that old. The oxygen sensor uh, will go bad, and then your emission system will start to mess up, and then it's just sort of a cascade effect where nothing quite works right. Mm, okay. And it's a fairly simple, fairly affordable thing to fix. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Here is uh, Giovanni. Giovanni, go ahead. Giovanni? Okay. No Giovanni. Uh, all right, 312-981-7200 if you would like to uh, join us, if you have an uh, automotive question or a car question or you need some advice. Um, got some news stories here, Tom, I'd like to get your thoughts on. Yeah. Uh, self-driving shuttles try virus-killing UV rays to assure riders. What's the, uh, what's the deal here? Yeah, this is interesting. First of all, it's interesting that there are two relatively small companies running these shuttles, um, but they're more or less autonomous vehicles, but they run on pre-planned routes, so they're not truly autonomous. They're more driverless. But um, one of the things that they're doing to try to assuage the fears of passengers is bathing the cars periodically in ultraviolet light, which is very effective at killing germs. And and, um, a lot of manufacturers and a lot of folks dealing with things like like ride-hailing services are dealing with this. And there's a related story from a couple of months ago where Ford, 
the number one purveyor of, of uh, police vehicles in the country, came up with something that police departments should be able to adapt to their vehicles. And it is a system by which it uses the car's built-in heat uh, to raise the interior temperature to 133 degrees for 15 minutes. Whoa. Which, according to the University of Ohio and, and their, uh, their biology department, should wipe out 99 0.9% of all the germs in the car. Wow. Uh, it, it, it's kind of funny because Ford's been working to make these vehicles more efficient, and now you have to let your car idle for 15 minutes at 133 degrees, <laughs> which which is probably going to use a lot of fuel. Yeah. But, but it's also, you know, if, if this helps the safety of people left to ride in those cars, then so be it. Yeah. And the, uh, the self-driving shuttles, where do they run? There was one that was running in California, and the other one was, I think, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, yeah, relatively short routes. They're interesting, and I'd like to follow up on those just to see um, how those services are working. But, yeah, they're relatively simple routes, but I think that people who, who use those might feel a little bit better about those. The bad news is the systems are about $2,000 a unit, so that, that adds Oof. a lot to the cost of, of operating these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and it's a, um, the one in Grand Rapids says it's a 3.2 mile route. Yeah, uh, it has 20 stops on each side of the Grand River uh, that runs through the city and connects downtown to two business districts. Yeah, so that's an interesting route, and I'd be—I believe that's on—it's not on tracks; it, it is autonomous. It is running on pavement, so that's interesting. Yeah, and are people? I mean, have you heard whether people are embracing this or whether it's being uh, considered a success of any kind? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. All right. Well, there there it is, uh, up, up, up in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then you said in L.A., correct? Yeah, there's one in California, too, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and they're uh, they're using the virus-killing UV rays to assure riders that, uh, that it will be safe. Yeah, we'll see a lot more of that, I think. Uh, of uh, Just in general? Yeah, different forms of that. We might see the heat. We might see the UV. Um, but I think that it's not practical for people to go in there with... Uh, with Windex and paper towels. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think you're going to need a little bit more than that. So, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I wasn't aware until you just said it, Tom, that most of uh, the police vehicles are Fords. Yeah. Uh, yep. how, how did that happen? I mean, is, is there, do they have a contract with police, uh, with the police or anything like that? How does that work? A lot of them do have contracts, but Ford just has an amazing ability to sell, to, to modify and sell their vehicles to police departments. Um, and the popular one now, they don't call it the Ford Explorer, but it's basically the Ford Explorer that's built here in Chicago at the Torrance Avenue plant. Oh, really? Yeah, but they do a really nice job of modifying that vehicle. So they reinforce the frame, they uh, they upgrade the front suspension and the brakes for curb hopping. Um, they they make all sorts of heavy duty parts for it. They make a special version of the hybrid vehicle just for police. So it, it's not just a lightly modified Explorer. It is a it is a considerably upgraded and updated vehicle. But but yeah, Ford Ford commands that market now. Ah, that's amazing. I had no idea. I really I had no idea that Ford did that. That must be great for their business, obviously. It is because it's not it's not economy dependent. You know, police departments tend to order on a regular schedule all the time. Yeah. So that's sort of like very that's just very reliable business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, here's Mike on WGN. Go ahead, Mike. Hey Tom, I'm interested in uh, the 2020 Trailblazers. Um, anything I should be looking for, and what would be the major difference as far as the basic models compared to the the upgraded models? 
Yeah, great question. The Trailblazer is an all-new vehicle for Chevy. It slots between uh, the Chevy Trax, the subcompact Chevy Trax, and the Chevy Equinox, which is a sort of a, a smallish midsize vehicle. Um, and it's all new this year. The big news here is, is it's a new size, and I think that it's a good size for a lot of people. It's very similar mechanically to the all-new um, Buick Encore GX, mm. uh, which is another view you can look at. Here's the thing to worry about for that vehicle. I think it makes very good use of space. Uh, I enjoy driving. I haven't driven the Chevy. I've only driven the Buick. I'm actually going to drive the Chevy next week. But what they're not telling people, and, and I don't know why they would advertise this, is that it makes use of only three-cylinder engines, so 1.2 and a 1.3-liter three-cylinder engine. Really good power. You wouldn't, you wouldn't miss the, the size, but... There is some vibration on startup, and there's some vibration when the stop-start system works, and a little bit of strange exhaust note. And I think that someone who's been driving for a long time might find that stuff a little bit off-putting. A young driver would not. Just see if you like it. Make sure you like it. Otherwise, you might want to go with something else. Okay. Is it is it 2021 20, model any different or no? Um, I think the – I believe the Trailblazer is rolling in as a 2021 only. I think the Buick came in as a 2020. I might have those numbers backed up. I don't think there is a 2020 of the Trailblazer. Okay. Okay, just the Blazer, right? And then the Trailblazer is coming out in 2021. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, thank you. All right, Mike, take care. How long has the Trailblazer been around, huh? The Trailblazer name uh, was dormant for about, what is it, eight years, something like that, and they just brought it back. The Blazer name was resurrected two years ago, so they've got these heritage names back in action now. Yeah, yeah. Is that like a, is that comfort for people who are looking for a vehicle that they know they're familiar with the name of the vehicle? You know, it seems to be. It's really interesting because Toyota just came out with an all-new crossover. And, and like this Trailblazer we're talking about, it's kind of a tweener vehicle. It's between a compact and a midsize. Okay. Uh, and they use the Venza name. And, and Venza was a vehicle they had sold before and not very successfully, but I guess they thought it was familiar enough that people would remember it. And, and yeah, to your point, might be comforted by the fact that it didn't sound new or all-new. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because you know, I mean, you want reliability or trust when you're buying a vehicle. You know what I mean. And, yeah. if, you, and if you know the name or the brand, that helps. Yeah, and especially at times like this, I think usually when the economy is sluggish, people are a little bit more conservative about their automotive purchases and don't take risks. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 sort of marketing is helpful now. There you go. All right, Tom, hang on. Okay. Will do. Tom Appel is with us, uh, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Follow him at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Uh, if you have any automotive or car-related question or you need some advice, 312-981-7200 and more automotive news stories to talk about as well. But let's get to the news. Hornsby. Ah, yes. Hey, it's Nick DiGiulio on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio on a Tuesday morning, um, and uh, we are going to be talking about fast food myths, haunted houses that are up for sale, and we'll continue. We'll jump back into the uh, bad landlord stories that we'll get into. Uh, classic Johnny Carson. We're going to play back a bit where uh, Johnny plays G. Walter Schneer, airline safety expert. <laughs> it's 
So we always play a bit of Johnny Carson comedy uh, every uh, morning at 2.30. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. And so we love to just play a little comedy, whether it be a sketch or some stand-up or an interview. And uh, we will visit with uh, G. Walter Schneer, airline safety expert, <laughs> a little later on. Tom Appel is with us. He joins us once a month, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Follow him at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Any and all automotive questions, we'd love to help you out. 312-981-7200. Hello, Tom. Hello. Hey, uh, so I'm looking at somebody posted something on your on your Facebook page. What what is that? It's a it's a it's a it's a vehicle. That's certainly. And then it said, "Say something nice." Uh, and you wrote, "White walls aren't scuffed." <laughs> well, that's one of the strangest looking vehicles I've ever seen. I think the guy that posted that is a Nick DiGilio fan, so he's probably listening to us right now. A, 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 a man named Paul. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, that is a Dodge Caravan that has been heavily modified by someone. I think. With some mental issues, um, <laughs> uh, because, <laughs> I don't know what happened to it, but it looks like they turned a minivan into a pickup truck, and and it's, very badly. It is so weird. That's a that's a caravan. It was, yeah, it was. <laughs> what about that grill on the front here? I don't know what that came from. It kind of looks like something off a of Kenworth. It's so crazy looking. But but someone yeah someone spent time and money on that probably God. more time yeah God that's yeah. just so ridiculous looking but the white walls aren't scuffed as you pointed out Tom right yeah okay I said something nice got a... <laughs> all right let's see here is uh, Bruce on WGN hi Bruce hi hi go ahead uh, we are looking to buy a new vehicle and discovered that uh, what we're looking at you have to push a button before you drive in order to keep it from stopping every time you stop the vehicle. Is there any kind of permanent override on that? Because I really don't want that to go on. Um, here's the thing. You're talking about the stop-start functionality, and more and more manufacturers are incorporating that into their cars, and you'll find that with the next generation of new cars, every car will have stop-start. So for people who are really afraid of that or really think it's disruptive, that's very bad news. Here's the good news. Those systems are getting better and better and better. Um, now, is this, for, is this for fuel efficiency, Tom? It is, and and the amount of fuel that they save by not running the engine at stops is actually measurable. Really? Yeah, I've heard that. Like in the average commute, you can save something like a pint of gas on the average commute, and that's that's real fuel um, being saved. So that that the benefits are real. The bad news is that early systems were terrible, so that when a car started up, you could feel it. You wouldn't get throttle right away because you were waiting for the engine to start. Um, but well, to answer to answer there, your question, there is someone. Um, uh, there's someone that uh, has a brand new Chrysler Pacifica, uh-huh. and they were showing me how it jerks every time they take off. Yeah, it depends on the circumstances, and they can be rough in the cold, too. Often they don't work in the cold. Um, but to answer your question, some cars allow you to turn them off, but I doubt you will find a dealer that will turn it off permanently. Um, largely because it is linked to emission systems. So I, I think you have to live with that. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Let's see. Here's Gail on WGN. Hi, Gail. Hi. Thanks for taking my question. Sure, go ahead. I bought a 2020 um, Honda Odyssey in February, and 
I'm 71 years old, um, but I've been driving minivans for years, and I'm very tall, so they, they're easy to get in and out of. Uh-huh. So I'm only getting 13 to 15 miles per hour average on this car. It's driving me crazy. So I took it in, and it has some rebates, and they gave me a CRV to um, use for the day, and I was shocked at how easy it was to get in and out of the CRV. For me, better than the pilot. Interesting. I think trading that Odyssey in for a, ZR, a CRV, but people are telling me that the gas will get better. Yeah, your I'm mileage is unusually bad. Money, but I think I'm going to make it up on the gas. I'm filling this thing up all the time. And the other thing is, I hate the push button gears. Oh, yeah. And if people haven't seen it, the system that's in the Honda, the Odyssey and the Pilot, is very interesting because it involves you using two fingers to sort of squeeze things together. It's it's an odd system. You get used to it very quickly, or in your case, maybe not. Um, but it is very unconventional, and I think that some people might have a hard time getting used to it. Um, as for your mileage, that's unusually bad mileage. So there is something wrong with your car that the dealership needs to fix. If you were to move to the CRV, there is now the CRV hybrid, which is exceptional. It costs very little more than the regular CRV, and the fuel economy will be close to 40. Um, but heck of a nice car. And if, you, if you're comfortable getting in and out of that vehicle, yeah, that might be a good move. Unfortunately, you just bought a car, which means you will get burned a little bit in resale value when you trade it in. Mm. You know, I know that, but that's what I'm trying to, am I making, am I making a big mistake if I do that? Or if it's just, they're you giving me a with pretty a good deal on another my Honda. car. My payments aren't going to change. They're just going to be, I'm going to have to make them longer. More of them. Yeah, if you're going to be more comfortable, it's something to think about. Okay, Gail. Okay, thank you. Take care. Um, So, uh, you know, uh, the the virus is is showing up in a lot of the uh, automotive stories. And another one um, is how it has, the the virus has completely changed commutes uh, to work. Um, You know, they're swapping out public transit for cars. And I know that's the case you know, I know that uh, my producer Tom, um, you 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 uh, for the longest time you always used public transit, correct? Yeah. No, that's how I used to get here. Um, I think for a period of time I maybe drove back in like I don't know 2017. Yeah, and I still had a car, uh, and then had to get rid of that car, that beautiful 1998 Saturn. <laughs> was, I swear to God, it was like it was like a clown car trying to get me into it, but it yeah. worked. And it, <laughs> And a, and a great tape deck too. Yeah, but by the way, t- a great tape deck. By the way, Tom, uh, my producer Tom is also a very big guy. Very, very, yeah. very big. Th- guy. This is why I love on the uh, Consumer Guide Automotive reviews. They've got the big. You guys yeah. do the big and tall <laughs> section, and it's great. Yeah. I love it. It makes my life so much easier because when I do eventually, you know, get another another car or a different car, I'm going to Tom Appel because I'm like, this guy knows. This well, guy knows how thing, I feel. But Tom, that yeah, I mean, that's a, that personally is an issue for you because you're a big dude. No, it is. It absolutely is. And it's funny, the cars that are actually too small. Like right now, I'm driving a Corolla, and that's just fine. Uh-huh. Little compact Toyota Corolla is fine, but there are certain BMWs, especially BMWs, even midsize and large BMWs, uh, the four-door sedans especially, really hard to get in and out of. Really? Yeah, just small front door openings, and uh-huh. it's problematic. Uh, the Germans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what's the, let's talk a little bit about this story about how the impact that the virus has made on commuting to work. 
Yeah, cars.com requisitioned a study, and, and the, the folks at cars requisitioned lots of studies, and they're always interesting. And those guys are local, too. They're in Chicago, and I, and I love those guys. They're awesome. But they, they requisitioned a study, and one of the things that they learned is that 60% of people who are currently uh, commuting using public transportation plan to get a car which is an enormous number. It's good news for auto manufacturers. It's bad news for environmentalists. Um, but I guess the study went on to suggest that 25% of those people have already done so. So they're putting their money where their, where their mouth is. Wow. But this is going to have a major impact on a lot of things. Now, we know a lot of people are staying home. Um, but but we're going to see that that revenue generated by public transportation is going to go down. We're going to see that um, a lot of the people who do this are probably going to be looking for relatively affordable smaller vehicles in the Chicagoland area. They're probably going to want crossovers with all-wheel drive. So we're going to be seeing a lot of action in those categories. I think. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I know it's made an, it's made a huge impact. Um, you know, uh, when 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 we were you know when the when the lockdown first happened, uh, you know, I was still coming down to work. And considerably less traffic. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there was just barely any traffic on the Kennedy coming down. Uh, and that's increased a lot. That has increased quite a lot over the past, uh, you know, two months or so. Yeah, traffic is up. What we're not seeing, though, right now, which we would normally be seeing as school buses. Oh, right. Um, which which is the thing that can really mess up my morning commute. And I'm not seeing those. I do see a lot of empty... <laughs> A lot of empty metro trains. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of empty buses and and uh, uh, you know and L's and and, and stuff like that because you know the, the you know the uh, uh, the blue line runs on the Kennedy, um, and uh, you know we we drive past it as we're coming in or going out, and uh, those those trains seem significantly empty. Yeah, I know Metro too was having some maintenance problems, and they used to run nine cars. I used to see these things every day because I take Northwest Highway to work, so I actually sure. run along the Northwest line. Sure. And now they're down to I think three, four, and five cars, depending on the uh, is that right on the time of day? Yeah. yeah. So th- I guess their maintenance problems are probably sort of taking care of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. All right, Tom, hold on, okay. We'll do. All right. Tom Appel is with us. If you've got a question uh, or, or a concern that's automotive-related, 312-981-7200. Uh, the GD Daily Drive uh, blog is so much fun. And um, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about the 10 coolest dashboards of the 50s. I love it when Tom does these things, just these, you know, shows pictures of these crazy-looking uh, things from the past. So we're going to look at some cool. We're going to talk about some cool looking dashboards from the fifties. Again, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Stick to Gilio and WGN. See the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. Little line of You know, this is used to great effect in Days to Confused. Lovely. Seals and Crofts. What were they introduced? Who, who made the mistake and introduced them? Oh. oh God, Didn't someone did. introduce them? They got high? Yeah. And then they introduced them as, <laughs> as something else. <laughs> I, can't I can't remember who it was. It was, was it someone we talked to? Or no, it was maybe it was a clip we played? Yeah, it might have been a clip. Yeah. <laughs> Seals and Crofts. And he, I can't remember how he introduced them. Maybe somebody remembers, but he 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 got high, and it was I think it was it might have been from um, one of our Carson clips. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll do a little half yeah. internet research here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Tom Appel is with us. 
Joins us once a month, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and answers any and all of your car questions. Always a lot of uh, a lot of fun to have Tom on. All right, uh, hi Tom. Hello. Okay, we got a couple more people here. Oh, good. Uh, here's Curtis, and he's in Kentucky. Hi, Curtis. Hey, how you doing? Good, man. Uh, I've got a 2000 Toyota Celica. Uh, you, it'll start, you can start it out, let it run seven to ten minutes, and it'll quit. But after it cools down, it'll start again. What's my problem? Huh, I don't know. So when it gets warm, it stops. So that sounds like a fuel delivery problem of some sort. Um, I don't know if it's your fuel pump. This is a little bit beyond my ken. Uh, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say maybe your fuel pump is starting to go bad on you. Yeah. You get get, get it checked out, Curtis. Okay, but I thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Okay, buddy. Take care. Thank you for listening in Kentucky. We appreciate that. All the way to all the way in Kentucky, Tom. Yeah, that's some, that's some distance. There it is, yeah. Uh, here's John on WGN. Hi, John. Hi, Tom. Hello. I used to listen to you on the Steve and Johnny show. Oh, great. And uh, a long time ago, you were talking about an experimental engine called the no camshaft engine, uh-huh. in which the valves were operated by electromagnets yeah. instead of camshafts. And you thought maybe it would be out in a few years, and you said it was like thirty percent more fuel economy and thirty percent more power. Do you remember talking about that? Oh, I clearly do, and I just read a little bit more about that. Um, for people who don't know, valves, which allow air in and out of the cylinders, um, are actuated by pistons right now. And the, or not by pistons, but by springs, which are compressed by the camshafts. And it's just a lot of effort. It's a lot of energy that's expended to do this. Also, because it's set up by a, a single universal cam, you don't have that much control over individual operation of the, of the different valves. So if we could activate those electrically using magnets, uh, they could they could be operated individually. You would use less energy. Um, there'd be less uh, kinetic energy being wasted. So there's a lot of good that would come from that. But unfortunately, the magnets to do this um, are very expensive. They're very uh, difficult to manipulate, and they're having a hard time making those work as fast as they need them to work because they need to reverse rotation or reverse polarity. Uh, I always thought it would be BMW who did that first, and we'll see. There's, for some reason, there's discussion of this coming up again, but no one seems close to you, to applying the, that valve technology yet. Yeah, I've heard the reliability is the big problem. You yeah, know, getting it, a magnet like that to work at all those RPMs, and I was just curious how things were evolving. Well, I don't think there's any news since last we talked. <laughs> yeah, <it's>... yeah, boy, <laughs> it'd be great if it worked. Just think of all the fuel people would save. Yeah, it will work eventually. There's just a lot of kinks to work out. Yeah. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks. All right. 312-981-7200. Here's uh, Kathy on WGN. Hi, Kathy. Good evening. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Okay. My question is regarding CVT transmission problems. Uh Um, My daughter... uh (laughs) Uh-oh. My daughter has a 2013 Nissan Rogue which we had the extended warranty for 135,000 miles. Um, and all of a sudden she was driving at it and her car just clunked. And it's a CVT transmission, uh-huh. which had 139,000 miles on it. So nobody will help. And then your, their solution is, well, you have, have two solutions. You can buy a new transmission because they really don't have rebuilt 
of those or find a slightly used one or you have a junker car for five hundred dollars hmm so so you're just over the extended warranty here's an interesting point about that cvt for people who don't know cvt stands for continuously variable transmission and instead of having four or five or six or eight or ten ratios there's an infinite range of ratios within a certain range um and and they're very good for fuel efficiency they feel a little bit strange to drive if you notice that sort of thing and they're generally reliable though nissan ran into some trouble and nissan does have them on a lot of vehicles including the rogue that you mentioned my daughter owns a Nissan Juke, and that's one of the vehicles, too. There's been some reliability issues with that. Now, I just received a letter in the mail from Nissan extending my warranty on that vehicle, specifically because of the transmission. I would think that if you reached out to a district manager uh, from Nissan, they might take some pity on you because they are recognizing that this is a problem. Um, I did contact Nissan Consumer Affairs, and Uh the extended warranty went from... 60,000 miles, which was their original, to like 120,000 miles, or possibly 130. So my extended warranty was longer than that one, um, and they told me, too bad, so sad, on that, that their extend, you know, their warranty went to 130, and you're at 139, um, and said, do what you have to do regarding if you want to proceed. But I couldn't, they wouldn't let me go higher than the consumer affair to find out anything. Um, Greatly disappointed. I was like, holy cow. And there are many reliability issues that it's like, wow, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, your best bet at this point is to reach out to someone at the dealership where you bought the car. You bought it at a Nissan dealer? I did not. I bought it used at a Chevrolet dealer. Ah, see, that's a little bit harder than if you had some contact at a Nissan dealer where you had purchased it, you might be able to get the service manager to reach out for you and see if he can get something done. That's a tough situation that you're in then, and, and of the options that you have, um, I might if you, if you like the vehicle, I might just go ahead and replace the transmission. All right, Kathy. Okay, thank right. you. Thank you. Take care. Um, hey, uh, Tom, can you stick around after the news? I can. Because we have a ton of people who are calling in, and okay. uh, we want to answer as many questions as possible. And I also want to get to some of the other stories, especially the coolish dashboards of the 50s. Good. Because okay. I've got that, I've got that up on my computer right now, and they look so awesome. Some of them are yeah, so some cool. great stuff there. Great stuff. So, let's see. Uh, we can get one more question in. Oh, wait, Dan is here on WGN. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, Dick. Uh, the gentleman that had a problem with his car dying after about ten minutes, uh, he might want to try. I'm not a mechanic, but an engine coolant temperature sensor. It senses the temperature of the coolant as the engine gets hotter. It tells it to run leaner if it's starting to go bad. It's telling the engine it's colder, it's running too rich, it's dying. When the car sits for a while and the engine cools down, now it's telling it's colder and it's working better. And that was an old, and a lot of old Hondas had that problem. It's a $15 part. It's usually up on top of the engine. You can just unscrew it, put one in. If it doesn't work, well, you're only out 15 bucks. You might want to try that. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, Dan, thank so, you. You're welcome. Thanks for the advice. We appreciate it. Uh, 312-981-7200 for your automotive and car-related questions. Uh, Tom's going to stick around after the news, so we got uh, time to answer as many questions as uh, we can get in here. And we also have a couple of stories that uh, we're going to get to as well. 
7200 is the uh, phone number. Um, but consumers, before we jump to the news here, consumers shopping for a new car, people are still uh, wary, right? They are a little bit wary, and it's a weird situation now. The inventory on the ground is down by about a third. It's a little bit harder to buy a car because you're mostly online, so you're not test-driving product. Right. So it's all. It, what's really hard is if, if finding the vehicle you want exactly because there is a, there is a, a shortage of, of, of inventory. So if you're looking for a particular trim level and a particular color, you may be disappointed. Okay. It's interesting that, uh, you know, people are talking about how they're going to, because of what's going on in the world, that they're actually going to go out and buy a car. Yeah. So so it's going back and forth. I mean, there there are good things about what's happening in terms of, like, uh, you know, the cars, you know, like uh, uh, selling of cars and things like that. And it's also there's also crazy things like this. Yeah, it's a very strange situation right now, and I think dealers are pulling their hair out Yeah. Uh, because they don't know how to read the market. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, Tom, hang on, okay? Will do. All right, Tom Appel is with us. He's going to hang out again. Uh, and we've got a few phone lines open if you want to jump in. Tom, be happy to answer your questions that are automotive or car-related, 312-981-7200. He's going to spend a little extra time with us this morning since we're getting so many calls. And we want to help everybody out who's got a question. So if you have a question, well, we would love to hear from you, 312-981-7200. We've got a few more uh, stories to talk about, and we're going to, t- we're going to discuss the 10 coolest dashboards of the, of the 50s. And I suggest that you go to the Daily Drive and Consumer Guide and take a look at some of these dashboards. They're unbelievably cool. So, anyway, all that is coming up with more here. Again, you can follow Tom at car underscore guy underscore Tom. And uh, more more of your questions and more time with Tom Appel coming up right here on 720 WGN. But let's get into the newsroom now. Raindrops are falling on my head. Just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed, nothing seems to fit. Those I see what you did. I see what you did. Head, I can look out the window. I can see the wet pavement. So Very good. It is wet out there tonight. Wet out there tonight. <laughs> Pacino from uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, uh, live in the Skyline studio. I always thought that that was just a just a, a really weird scene in Butch Cassidy. Just like suddenly, everybody thought it was a weird scene. Just like scene. suddenly it's like you're riding around on a bike and B.J. Thomas is singing. What, what, is, what is this? Is that period appropriate? I mean, I like the song. And I sure. Think it, yeah. I, and I think it won the Oscar for yeah. best song that year. But it just is like, where did this come from? <laughs> from the beautiful voice of uh, B.J. Thomas. That's, That's right. All right, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Our good friend Tom Appel is hanging out with us a little bit longer because we got some people on the line who have questions. We want to help them out. Tom is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. He joins us once a month. Got uh, uh, some car issues that we're going to be talking about. And if you have a question, it's three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Thanks for sticking around, Tom. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. All right, let's uh, see. We can help some people out here. Here is uh, Mike on WGN. Go ahead, Mike. How you guys doing? All right, go ahead. I got a question about. Uh, I got a letter from a Jeep about a new uh, model that's coming out or an improvement. Do you know anything about that? Uh, a new model. Well, the new model is the the Gladiator, which is the pickup version uh, of the Jeep. There's also a Mojave, which is sort of a desert sand runner version of that vehicle. Um, other than that, the new models. There are brand new large. SUVs coming very soon that we'll know about next week, going to be called uh, Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. And those will be designed to uh, compete with some things like the uh, GMC Yukon and the Ford Expedition, things like that. 
That's what we know about oh, okay. them. All right, Mike? That was okay, I appreciate it. Take care. Uh a uh a a, a Jeep pickup? Yeah, there's a Jeep pickup. It's it's really it looks very much like a Jeep Wrangler with a pickup bed. It is longer than that. It rides on a longer wheelbase. Uh, but if you like the way the Wrangler looks, you're going to like the way the Gladiator looks. See, and it's called the Glad. I love the, uh, it's the called the Gladiator. The yeah. Gladiator. You gotta love that. <laughs> you do. We've talked about this so many times, Tom. Every month you're on, we always talk about who names these cars. Where do they come from? Well, you know, in the case of the Jeep, there's there's so many great Jeep legacy names. Jeep's been around. Um, since basically the World War II, yeah, and and they have all sorts of great names like that. They used a lot of Indian tribe names that that are a little bit less uh, popular now for all sorts of reasons. Right, but, but like they used Apache and Cherokee and things like that, and they still use the Cherokee name. Um, but yeah, we're seeing a lot of heritage names being brought back, as we, you and I talked about just a little bit earlier this show. Um, but yeah, naming is so tricky these days, and, yeah. and you want to be careful not to offend anyone. You want it to sound familiar, but you don't want it to sound too new. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a complicated business. It sounds like it. Well, the Gladiator. You can't go wrong with Gladiator, right? No, no, not especially for a truck like that. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, Matt on WGN. Hi, Matt. Hi, how you guys doing? All right. I'm the original owner. I bought it brand new, a 2003 Chevy Malibu. I just turned 417,000 miles. Wow. wow. And Every time we take it somewhere, whether it's to get new tires, an oil change, or whatever, everybody always says, oh, my God, you should contact Chevy. They'll, they'll give you an award or something. <laughs> is that true? Would Chevy do anything for us? You know, funny story about that. There is a Nick DiGilio show, show listener That's right. who had turned, he's got to be at about a million one hundred thousand miles on his Civic, yep. and Honda wasn't that interested, as it turned out. Isn't that crazy? Over a million miles on the car. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking half a million. I think you got another, at least another half million to go. <laughs> oh, I'm trying. All right. I'm trying. <laughs> Keep driving it, Matt. Okay, buddy. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Um, what's the most miles you ever put on a car, Tom? Um, I put 180,000 miles on my Scirocco, my Volkswagen Scirocco, and that that was a very trouble-free car. Yeah. Yeah, Volkswagen has a good reputation, don't they? Yeah, they did. And, and like, 80s Volkswagens are very simple vehicles. They're easy to keep running and relatively relatively easy on the wallet to keep running. Yeah, so that that made them very popular for a time. It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that was a, I'm, I'm sorry, how much? How many miles again? I think I sold it with 177 to a buddy's brother. Man, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was yeah, one transmission, one clutch, one set of brakes, not much. Wow. Now, so you sold it. To somebody at with one hundred seventy seven thousand miles on it, how how much how many more do you know how many more miles was put on the car? I don't, I don't. I lost track of the car after that. That would be interesting to see. Yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, I much? love that car too. I miss it. Yeah, that, it was, I'm sure it's well well past saving at this point. <laughs> what year was it? It was an eighty five. Oh, an eighty five. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Long gone. Long gone. <laughs> oh man, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the uh, phone number if you have a uh, car or automotive-related re- question. And, and uh, Tom has been kind enough to stick around a little bit longer. Taxi driver, Bob. Bob, go ahead. Hey, how you doing, Tom? I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, I, I just saw on my phone uh, a news story under Yahoo News or wherever it was that the new 2021 Kia Sedona minivan uh, is... Uh, 
I get, I don't know if it's come out or it's been out for a while or it's coming out. But um, is it, is it the first minivan that's got a, a, a diesel turbo diesel in it? It is. It is not the first turbo diesel. It 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 is um, turbo diesel minivans have never existed in the United States. In fact, Chrysler sold its minivans, the Caravan, the Voyager, those vehicles, uh, in Europe using um, Fiat turbo diesel engines. So. Yeah, they happen. It's just Americans never embraced that, and they never brought the vehicles here. Yeah. Okay. All right, Bob. It looks really, it looks, it looks really cool with the large screen. And I was just wondering, the size inside that van is it the same amount of room as the Sienna minivan, or it's smaller? Um, it's about the same. That vehicle, the redesigned version of of that vehicle, will be here in the U.S. fairly soon, uh, but not with the diesel. Okay. All right, Bob. Thanks. Oh, uh, okay. Thank All you. Right, take care, uh, Tom. Hang on. Okay. Will do. All right, Tom Appel is with us. We've got a few more people on the line, uh, and we thank Tom for hanging out with us a little bit later than usual. Uh, he's the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. You can check out consumerguide.com and follow him at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Uh, we are also going to talk about the 10 coolest dashboards of the 50s, and I suggest you go to Consumer Guide and their Daily Drive blog um, and check them out because it's just cool. Tom, have you, have you looked at these, at the at the dashboards? Yeah, There's, I love. The, I absolutely oh, love classic cars. The vintage, um, the vintage fifties dashboards and the, what the steering wheel looks like and everything—it's so cool. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that too. Uh, it's Nick DiGiulio on seven twenty WGN. Sensing a theme. Here comes the rain again, falling on my head like a uh, I love your rhythmics. Falling on my so great. Like uh, we are live in the Skyline studio here. It's Nick DeGilio. I saw your uh, rhythmics um, in their heyday, like in the early 80s, and a band called Real Life opened for them. You know, Real Life? Send me an angel. <laughs> Send me an angel <laughs> right now. Well, I feel like I'm I'm hearing the recording right now. I feel like I'm there. I bought the I love that song. They weren't not very popular, but they opened for Eurythmics and it was at the auditorium. So it was a great venue and uh and I got to hear well, I've seen Annie Lennox solo as well. Sure. God, she's got a great voice. Uh Tom Appel has been sticking around with us, uh publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And answering your car questions. Hello, Tom. Hello. Okay. Uh, we still have some people on the line. Let's, okay. Let's get to it. Here's Nick on WGN. Hey, Nick. Hey, Tom. Can you tell me, like, within the last five years, you were talking about Jeeps. What is, like, the, the what's your opinion on the tow packages on those? Like, for, like, something small, like um, small trailer or watercraft, you know, like Wave Runners? Well, the, generally, you're talking about... Um, about 1,500 pounds of towing capacity, that's not a problem yeah. for any Jeep product. Any of the, the rear drive, the Wrangler, the Grand Cherokee, they should have no problem towing with that. I don't even know if you yeah, need a tow package. Yeah, the Wrangler mainly, yeah. Yeah, for that kind of weight, you probably don't even need a tow package, just a hitch. All right. Okay. Okay. You got it. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Take care. 312-981-7200. Here's Myrna on WGN. Hi, Myrna. Hi. I have a two, uh, 2016 Chevy Equinox, and I really like the car, 
I had it maybe about a year, and one day I tried to start. I started it, and I put it in reverse back out of the driveway, and it wouldn't go anywhere. And so I have OnStar, and I called them. They came out and looked at it and didn't know really what was wrong. And he said, well, maybe when you park the car and the wheels are in a certain position, it locks things up. So just, you know, do the steering wheel as much as you can, as much as it allows you to. So I did that, and then it didn't happen for a while. Now it's happening more frequently, and uh, the steering wheel, moving the steering wheel doesn't help. And just about the time I'm going to call somebody, it starts. I mean, it, it it goes into gear, and it'll it'll drive. I don't know what could be wrong. The engine light comes on. Um, I I don't know what's wrong. Huh. So so if I want I want to understand this, you have to turn the steering wheel to sort of unlock things. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm a little bit hard of hearing, but yeah, I have to. You know, they they say just do the steering wheel back and forth as much as as you can to get the wheels to move as much as you can. But that helped in the beginning when it happened, but now it doesn't help anymore. Yeah, that situation isn't entirely uncommon. Where sometimes the the steering wheel locks up when you turn the car off. I think everyone knows that. And sometimes you have to just sort of turn it all the way to the right or all the way to the left to unlock it. Uh, that's a weird situation. You shouldn't have that often. The fact that it's happening more and more to you means that something is definitely getting worse. So you have to get that looked at. The fact that this, the the engine light came on, I don't know what that would cause, unless something's wrong with your power steering itself, mm. um, which is possible. Okay. All right, boy. Okay. All right, Myrna. Good luck. Uh, thank you. Take care. Uh, how often does that happen? Not. Yeah, I haven't heard that problem too often. Okay. Uh, here's Mark on WGNA. Mark. Hi. I have a, a 97 twin turbo Supra, and I have Bridgestone RE050A uh, tires and with, the, like, zero miles on the tires. And I got a screw in one of the rear tires, and it kind of oh, went no. into the, Yeah, it kind of went into the sidewall. So uh, apparently now I can only get uh, the Bridgestone REO 5As in a, in a run flat. And and uh, I've heard good and bad things about run flats, and I don't know if I, it's a place has to have special equipment to repair it if you do, do have a problem with it. And I don't know if I can mix one run flat with the, with the regular tires because it, the other tires are not run flats. What, what's your opinion on, on the run flats? First of all, first of all uh, Tom, explain what run flats are. Yeah, a lot of st- a lot of stuff there at one time. So run flat tires are tires with reinforced sidewalls, and they can run for uh, usually a serious amount of, of maybe up to fifty miles with no air in them. Um, and they're usually used on vehicles where you don't have a spare tire, ah. or, you, or you can't fit a spare tire in the trunk. And in the case of a Supra, which has very large wheels and tires, um, it, it would be difficult to get a spare tire in the back of that vehicle. Now the Bridgestones um, that the caller was talking about very expensive, uh, so. It would be hard to locate, and then a screw in the sidewall can't be fixed. Um, you can't. You can usually in the flat of the tire, on the tread of the tire, you can usually repair a leak. You can't do it in the sidewall. Oh man! Um, but I would not mix uh, run flats with non-run flats because the sidewall dynamic is entirely different, um, and you would run into weird handling situations. Okay. So All right. buy a complete set then. Yeah, unfortunately, I would bite the bullet and just buy four new tires. Wow. Okay. okay. Great. Thank All you. Right. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. All right. Oh, that's that's that that's a pain right there. Yeah, that's for expensive tires. Yeah, jeez. Just because of one screw. Yeah. And that's a thing too with all-wheel drive vehicles these days. If you replace one tire, they generally say you have to replace all four. 
Wow, man. Which is crazy. But it makes sense because the all-wheel drive system is very sophisticated now and actually measuring rotation. And, and yeah, you, you, you want to do that, but it's, it's, it's awful if yeah. you have to pay for that. It's a pain in the neck, really. Yes. Wow. All right. Um, you guys do a lot of fun stuff on the Daily Drive blog. And uh, this, was, uh, this was done by one of your uh, co-workers. And it was the 10 coolest dashboards of the 50s. Yeah, uh, Frank Piler, actually the guy that hired me way back when and used to join me on... Actually, I joined him when we used to visit with Steve and Johnny. Yeah. Uh, Frank curated this list of, of, of dashboards. Uh, he's kind of an old car aficionado, but really kind of a historian. And, yeah, the 50s were just such a great time for design. And Absolutely. One of the things that's happening here is is that from the 30s and 40s, dashboards were sort of compact and in front of the wheel. And you usually, if there was a radio, it would be towards the center, and that would look very gothic with a lot of little bars and stuff. But by the 50s, they decided they could use the whole dash. (laughs) Yeah. And you see that starting to happen here. Yeah. And you have this early, the 52 Mercury, you still see a lot of painted steel. But like this 1950 Chevy, this wonderful polished metal all the way across the dash with a center, um, big center gauge in the middle, and these wonderful chrome bars for the radio and little yeah. do- little knobs everywhere. It's a beautiful thing, and you would you would never see this in a car now. It's it's just first of all, I can't even imagine what it would cost to make when manufacture this. I know, crazy. Well, I'm looking at the. This is, I'm just going to go in order here as they are in the yeah. article. The 55 Packard, very cool. Yeah, that's incredible. That that is that is some over the top stuff, but I love it. Yeah, it is. It's really it's really kind of out there. Uh, and then you you mentioned the fifty Chevy, um, which is really cool. And then the nineteen fifty Ford, which is uh, kind of crazy looking. Uh, it is kind of crazy, and there's a lot of steel there. It's interesting to still see painted steel on a dashboard. Because that was starting to go away, but but there's some beautiful stuff happening there. It's very simple, uh, and the radio controls. Those are those. The radio here looks fairly familiar to someone who had a radio in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s. Yeah, you got the push button. Uh huh. You got the push buttons presets, and uh, and also the uh, the the gear shift is uh, the uh, is is pretty strange looking too, with the little white knob on the end of it. Yeah, it was way out there, and that's for a little bit of leverage. So that would be a column shifter. Yeah, a column shifter. Uh, all sorts of fun. <laughs> very, very cool. Um, the 52 Mercury. Yeah, which would be very similar to the Ford. Those were nearly identical vehicles mechanically. Uh, but that's just a little bit upgrade of that. And and the, the central pod thing here is interesting with aviation-style switches. Yeah. And the big sweeping dash. I love that. It looks cool. And also, the middle of the, the, middle of the steering wheel looks like a plane. Yeah, and that's on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole avi- the, the whole tie between the marketing of cars to aviation started really in the late forties. Wow. Okay. Uh, how about the nineteen fifty three Corvette? Very cool. Yeah, that's incredible. The, the two tone thing is great, and it just sweeps across the entire car. And you sort of have the twin pod thing going on, where you have a matching um, a matching hooded sort of cove there, even though you don't have gauges in front of the passenger as well. So the symmetry here is great. Oh, it's beautiful. The gauges are in the center in front of the shifter. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, then you, we've got the 1953 Oldsmobile. This is, this is almost architecture. And this is something like the Corvette, where you have, you have a matching element on the passenger side that, that matches what's going on in front of the driver, and then this great sweep in between them of polished metal in two different colors. Yeah. And the radio right in the middle. And then, then the fluting of the steel 
on the bottom of that is great looking. Yeah. This must have been very expensive to do. Yeah, it must have been. I mean, it's really something. Um, how about the 1955 DeSoto? I like this. I like the colors here. This black and tan is yeah. really attractive, very masculine. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, the 1955 Dodge? Like this, too. That looks like wood tone. I don't think that's real wood because they didn't do that a lot in those days. Yeah. But that's really great against the black. It's sort of a cherry wood for people who can't see what we're talking about. It, it's very cool looking. Yeah. Very, very cool looking. Uh, now, look at this, the Packard. This is crazy. The 1955 Packard. You would, I just imagine it took like three guys to lift that. Yeah. It's oh like my a single God. metal piece. It's a giant metal piece that's right across, right across the dash. Yeah, that is awesome. And a very cool steering wheel, too. Uh, 57 Imperial. This is pretty classy. It's a little sleeker than the other ones. Where you've got the big pod in front of the driver, and it kind of narrows as it goes to the right towards the passenger. Yeah. I like this. And then you've got the huge horn ring in the middle of the steering wheel, which is a cool thing, too, instead of a button in the middle. I like what uh, your colleague said about this. Two large instrument clusters that even Mr. Magoo could see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the 58 Edsel is, fine, is the last one, but that's really cool looking, you know? Yeah, that is super busy and ornate, but in a really nice way. Yeah. I yeah. like the color on the faces of the gauges, kind of a gold bronze. Yeah. The, is the, does the Edsel have a bad rap in his, historically? Yeah, and it doesn't deserve it. The Edsel was just a marketing mistake. There wasn't anything especially wrong with the vehicles themselves. Yeah. But what happened is Pontiac and Dodge were doing very well, and those were sort of mid-level brands, and Ford didn't really have anything. They had Mercury, which is a little bit stodgy and a little bit more expensive. So they thought, we need something to fight Pontiac and Dodge. So they bring out this brand. They call it Edsel. The Edsel name might be a mistake, but there was a recession at the time, and people kind of backed away from more expensive cars, so the yeah. timing was terrible. Yeah. Well, that's too bad because it's a good-looking car. Yeah. Um, all right, Tom, thanks for sticking around later. Uh, we appreciate it, and people can oh, check my out pleasure. consumerguide.com. Follow you at car underscore guy underscore Tom. We'll talk to you again next month, Tom. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Okay, buddy. Take care. That was nice of Tom to hang out with us for a little bit, answer a few more questions for you. Um, but you can follow him on... Uh, uh, Twitter and all the places at car underscore guy underscore Tom. And always check out Consumer Guide. Oh, and by the way, um, we forgot to mention this. Um, you can subscribe to their newsletter. Uh, it's free, so you can get uh, updates on uh, on all the automotive stories and things that they're covering on Consumer Guide. So if you go to consumerguide.com, make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. Get in there and subscribe to the newsletter, and it's free. All right, uh, Tom Appel will join us again next month. All right, we're going to get back to We were talking about... Um, Tenant horror stories and land and bad landlord stories. You want to get back into that, Tom? Yes, please. <laughs> All right, we got a bunch more here, uh, and some of these are are nightmares. So, if you ever had a, a, a bad experience uh, while renting in a, a a place or an apartment or something, you had a bad landlord or some nightmare stories, uh, or even if you had ridiculous neighbors, because that's a that's bad too. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. It's Nick DeGilio on seven twenty WGN. <laughs> At every break, are we going to hear? We're going to hear a rain song. Maybe. All right. Right when you least expect it, you won't. You know the Beatles have one. That's they do. Pretty great. I've got that one with in the holster here. One of the best bass lines in the history of rock and roll. I can I can make that happen for you next. How about Zeppelin. Uh, maybe the rain song. 
That just takes forever to get going, though. Yeah. That song. It's like 27 minutes long. All right. Well, it's raining. So Tom's going nuts in the <laughs> in the producer hut <laughs> with the uh, songs in, with rain in them. It's very rare that I get to follow a motif. Yeah, well, it certainly is now. Uh, hey, uh, coming up, we are going to talk about... So I, here's the headline. Listen, listen to this headline. And this is... This is so this is in the UK, right? Grandmother keeps McDonald's hamburger in a bag for 20 years and it still hasn't rotted. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about some fast food myths, too. Um, classic Carson comedy. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. And I suggest you do because it's awesome and funny and nostalgic and great. Uh, we always play back some comedy, some stand-up or an interview. Or a sketch. So we are gonna we are gonna um, visit as Johnny. Johnny portrays this uh, this character, right, Tom? Yes, sir. So Johnny is going to be G. Walter Schneer, airline safety expert. <laughs> Teach you all about flying. Teaching us all about the safety of uh, of of uh, aviation. All right, if you've uh, had some nightmare stories concerning landlords or places that you've lived or if you've had looped-up neighbors, like guys that stand in their briefs out in the hallway, the common hallway that you share with a can of old Milwaukee, drunk. Oh, and by the way, can I just say this? It was like 11 a.m. <laughs> That's what's up. It was 11 a.m., and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, also it was a weekday. Not like, you know, drinking at 11 a.m. on a Saturday isn't a problem. But I'm, It well, depends on the context. Well, it, well, I mean... If you're out on the links... If I'm at the Cub game. Yeah, right? You know, that's you what know. I used to start drinking pretty early when I would go to Cub games. You and everybody else, man. Yeah. There, was, there have been times where I have gone to a Friday day game. I'm in the bar by 9. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, I'm an alcoholic, and that seems excessive. <laughs> well, I did. Nine? I did, yeah, well, I don't I don't drink during the week. Well, wait a minute. If it's a 120, let's say, it was, would they be 120 stars? Yeah, just about. So you're drinking for four and a half hours before you get to the game? Yeah. Are you smashed by the time you get to the game? Pretty much. Well, don't you want to watch the game? Well, I mean... I, I, I phase in and out. <laughs> oh, my God, man. <laughs> well, you have breakfast, too. Oh, okay. Well, that fixes it. Yeah. You have a hearty helping of eggs and sausage. Oh, God. Wow, man. I would usually start around 11, 11.30. Yeah. Granted, you know, this is when I was in college. Yeah. So your, your well, stamina for is, that thing the, is The other different. thing is that it's cheaper to drink outside of Wrigley. Right. Than it is inside. Yeah. And I, I, most of the people that I knew were working in bars mm -hmm. in and around Wrigley. So they were just like, come on in, you know, you start, you start off slow. You maybe we have... Used to, we used to go to the Wrigleyville Tap. Right. That's a great place to start. It's But it's not there anymore. Not there. Yeah. Um, it was right, right by the Metro. Mm -hmm. so on the, there was an alley, the Metro, and then... Yeah, and um, the Wrigleyville Tap—that was the one we went to all the time. Sure. And then once that closed down and became like some 
fake Irish bar. Oh, is that the Irish Oak? I don't know. I don't know what it is now. Yeah, I don't know. But it was it's it was a, a legendary. It was legendary. The Wrigleyville sure. Tab. Everybody went there. Like people who played, like rock stars who played the Metro would go to the Wrigleyville Tab. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, we just started going. You know, like after that, we went to Nisei. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, uh, the only bar in Wrigleyville that I would ever go to. We would normally get the hell out of Wrigleyville after the game, though. Yeah, no, unless we stop by Nisei, we might if yeah, we have stop a, by Nisei for a little bit yeah. longer. But we used to. No, you leave after the game. Yeah. You don't stick around for that. Yeah. Unless you want to see <laughs> what kind of depravity. Listen, I lived. Is. I grew up at Addison and Lincoln, man. Mm-hmm. So the foot traffic was was there, and uh, you know, there were, on game days we would sit out on our front porch. We lived in a in a two flat. We lived on the second floor. Right, you know, neighbors on the first, but we did have the front porch, and we would watch the 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 lunacy both before the game and after the game. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you live in Wrigleyville, to tie it to the neighbors, landlord was, sort of thing, it was Lakeview when I lived there. Lakeview, yeah, okay, West Lakeview. So, if you live in that area surrounding Wrigley Field and maybe yeah. the the few blocks, yeah, a little bit far away, would you consider Cubs fans the worst neighbors of all time? Neighbors, yeah. In in so far as or the Cubs, like having Wrigleyville right next to where you live, is well, that both there were a lot the, of there were a lot of people who did not like the especially I mean you know especially you know when they proposed getting lights at Wrigley mm-hmm. because well, the night the, the, the night games would encourage even worse behavior. Sure. sure. So we had t- tons of people with no lights. You know those signs? You've seen those signs, right? No yeah. lights at Wrigley? Right. They were in windows all over the place in the neighborhood, especially especially as you went further east towards Wrigley. Mm-hmm. But, just but, see, yeah, is... but it was a little obnoxious sometimes. Yeah. You know? I mean, we lived, we lived. You know, we lived, at, we lived eight blocks away from Wrigley. Yeah. So there was some buffer. There was a yeah. decent amount of buffer. Yeah. But you still got the dregs of that. You still yeah. got a little bit of the and, and, and I mean, let me just say this. When I grew up... Lakeview was not a good neighborhood. It was a terrible neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Tough part of town. Yep, especially east of Wrigley. Mm-hmm. Especially east of Wrigley. Like, but when you got when you got east of Ashland, it got a little shaky. East of Ashland, you get east of Southport even more. But right. once you get to Wrigley and you go back to back down to Halstead or Broadway, forget it. It was it was gangbangers. It was terrible. And um, the Cubs were awful during that time. <laughs> So it was in, and you know, the Wrigley Field was kind of in disrepair. So Wrigley Field didn't, you know, wasn't be, the upkeep wasn't there. The team was terrible, and the neighborhood was rotten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's you know what I have to say about that. What I uh, have a few words for Munzel. He can go on himself. <laughs> Leo DeRocher. All right. Uh, so we've got some tenant. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying the name of the new uh, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, yeah, not Tenant. Tenant. No, tenant. Uh, some nightmare tenant stories. Uh, if you had a, like a terrible landlord, if you had some bad experiences in apartments, let's hear those stories. Share them. All right. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. It's Nick DeGilio and WGN. Got some more stories and your calls coming up on seven twenty WGN. <laughs>
man. One of my favorite Beatles songs of all time. Seriously. So good. Hey, it's raining out, so uh, Tom's emphasizing that. <laughs> Just want people to know. Yeah. Uh, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. If you've got any uh, tenant horror stories, uh, bad landlord stories, we want to hear from you. We're also going to talk about uh, some fast food myths and a grandmother who kept a McDonald's hamburger in a bag for 20 years and still didn't rot. <laughs> and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. All right. So these are some stories, real stories, um, of uh, sort of nightmare situations that people had as tenants in buildings. How about this? Online reviews are a powerful tool for tenants who feel their landlords aren't up to snuff. But one apartment complex decided it wouldn't risk any sort of internet nonsense. Instead, it forced potential tenants to sign a social media addendum, quote-unquote, to their lease, forbidding any negative reviews and fining residents who ignore the rule $10,000. Incredibly, the policy also claimed ownership of any photos taken on the property. What? After a bit of media attention, the property managers ultimately voided the addendum. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure someone could have sued them. Oh, yeah. There's no way that's legal. No, absolutely not. You got to pay $10,000 if you write a bad review online. Yeah, no, you can't do that. No. I'll tell you, I don't don't have a landlord anymore, but I, I am, you know, we have an HOA, which is almost worse. Uh huh. And uh, I'll tell you, the politics, man. We got we got dinged because um, my my cousin and her boyfriend lived with us for a short a short period of time while they were between places, like a couple months while they were in the process of buying. And um, the her boyfriend was a soccer coach, so he was out all day, you know, coaching you know kids and teens and everything right. like that. And he would come home and he would leave his uh, cleats on the out front. He wouldn't bring them in because they were dirty. So in front of your door. In front of our door. Yeah. And that's a common thing. The 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 people across the hall from me used to use who who used to live there. uh, They there would be shoes out in front of their uh, their apartment door all the time. Not not that big a deal. No, not not that I would think. Um, All of a sudden, this passive aggressive note winds up on the community board in our kind of foyer. And we're on the we're the only unit on the very ground floor, mm-hmm. so we're right there. I go out to get my mail, and I see this note, and it's this this bad kind of Microsoft Word clip art picture of stinky shoes, with like even the little smell lines coming out like it's <laughs> like it's pig pen from peanuts, and and uh, you know the big red thing, you know, don't symbol. And it says, uh, please do not leave shoes outside the front door. You have to take them into your house. And um, I would have been less annoyed by it if it weren't for the fact that at this time, there was a family of like five living in a condo, a couple floors up, that would just leave their strollers everywhere. They would leave food and groceries in the strollers, kids' food, dirty diapers at times. Oh, that's terrible. And not only that, they would like leave their one of their strollers which of which they had like four. God knows why. They have two kids, three kids. 
and they would leave one right by my door, like right in front of my door. And I used to move it out of the way and they would keep putting it back until one day I had a particularly bad day at work, came home. There it was, I threw it across the foyer just to make a point and never showed up in front of my door again. You know, it's funny that you mentioned strollers because when I lived with uh, Heather at, uh, in, in, uh, in Albany park at the, at the condo, we were on the third floor. Uh, so we didn't have people leaving stuff because nobody wanted to walk all the way up to the third no. floor. It was a pain in the ass to get to our apartment. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the common area, the, you know, where the mailboxes are, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, there's, I don't know what the deal is with the strollers, but there were like strollers just sitting A million there. strollers. Like what's going on? You know, it's and like there you- were, there were only six units in the, in the, in that part of the building. I mean, it was a bigger building, but in sure. our part where the foyer was, that's, that was just six, uh, you know, six units. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I get it. It's tough to have young children that need to be in a stroller. I'm not unreasonable. Well, they used to wake me up all the time, screaming kids, literally right outside my door. Oh man, as I'm trying to sleep. Listen, but- I had I had a, 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 across the hall from me. Now it's a quiet couple now, mm-hmm. but I had like this these people across the hall f- from me, where I live now. Obviously, they had like nine kids, and they were running around in the hallway all the time, mm-hmm. screaming, banging on my door. Sure. And I, you know, I'm sympathetic to that. I get it. You don't get to be in control of children all the time. They're kind of yeah, but don't leave agents. your apartment door open and yeah, let your kids unintended. run around in the hallway. Yeah. But I would say, why couldn't you just fold it up and bring it upstairs? Yeah, that's, you that's like, what you they should fold do. Fold up. Yes. They fold up. <laughs> I mean, just be cool, man. If I can't leave these shoes out here, why can you leave your stuff yeah, out here? That makes sense. Like, they, they leave like a full cantaloupe in the basket underneath. <laughs> that's going to go rotten. You're not going to eat that cantaloupe. You've forgotten that cantaloupe's there already. Yeah. I'll tell you. And the cantaloupe's going to, that is going to rot, unlike the mm. hamburger. <laughs> unlike the McDonald's hamburger. Oh, can't get no respect around here. Uh. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I can't get no respect. <laughs> um, how about that's one way to get your due. Some West Virginia tenants were shocked to return from a week away from their rental home, only to find it ransacked. Couches were cut and flipped, medication bottles were open, and electronics were missing. Even worse, the burglar was their landlord, who later told officers that he was worried the absent tenants were going to skip out on paying rent, so he simply decided to take their stuff, quote-unquote. Oh, man. That is unbelievable. These are all true stories, by the way, and if you have any sort of nightmare stories... Um, tenant stories or neighbor stories, 312-981-7200. I think we've all had some wacky neighbors. I think, uh, I think everybody has experienced some wacky neighbors, but those two, the, the, the couple that used to live next door to me, uh, years and years ago when we first moved in, when my ex-wife and I first moved into the apartment, um, they were right next door so we could hear them through the walls and they argued constantly. Constantly, and I they they were they were drunk. They were like the epitome, you know, of of you know the quote quote unquote white trash. The guy would sit out. I've talked about this before. The guy would sit outside in his car was a junker that had a massive antenna on the roof, and he would uh, he would play with his uh, CB. And this was like 
you know, 1995. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't 1977 with Smokey and the Bandit number one at the box office. This idiot was out, and, and he'd be there all hours of the night. Just like hardcore, and it was such a, uh, you know, such a crazy antenna, it would interfere with our TV. Like, we could hear him going, <laughs> through our TV speaker. And then he'd come in drunk, they would yell at each other, throw some stuff around. But the best is, they were yelling, and we were listening, they were yelling, right on the other side of the wall, by our front door, screaming at each other, and for some reason... She said, resume, I don't need no damn resume. And I, to this day, don't know what the setup was to that reply. Like, this couple don't even know what a resume is, I would imagine. Resume, I don't need no damn resume. You're truly out of context. It was ridiculous. And we were, but we bust, my, my ex-wife and I busted out laughing. I mean, we thought it was the funniest thing ever. And we were walking around, like, quoting that for, like, for like months. Resume, I don't need no damn resume. Here's Trucker Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Nick. Yeah, when we when my wife and I bought our house, we do not have kids. So, But I had just bought a new pickup truck and borrowed my buddy's real fancy trailer to move our stuff into the new house and uh, rolled out a, you know all our stuff and a new truck and a new riding lawnmower and a big screen TV. And yeah. neighbor come over and says, boy, I can see who's got the money in the neighborhood now. And I says, well, I'm really not supposed to tell you this, but we're part of the witness protection program and the government <laughs> gave me all this stuff. <laughs> And then the neighbors, they had a four-year-old girl that was just really, really obnoxious. I mean, I like kids, but this girl was obnoxious. She used to walk in the house when we were trying to move in, because apparently the people before us let her do it. Well, she was over there one day when I was out there. She says, do you have a dog? I said, yeah. She says, can I pet it? I says, when we bring it over. You know, I had the dog out on on the chain out in the front yard. She goes, do you have any kids? I says, no, we used to. She said, did they grow up? And I said, no, the dog ate them. <laughs> and she never came over again. <laughs> well, that's one way of being preventative, Rich. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, you're going to get run over by me backing up a trailer. You're going to get run over by our cars. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to trip over you. Just go home. Yeah, well, go, she wouldn't go, go home, go, so I told her the kid, the dog ate them. Yeah, the you dog know? ate them, and then you tell the, the other neighbors you're in a witness protection program. Yeah, uh, I never got bothered for about oh, through the we bought the house in September. Nobody really talked to us till February. Yeah, which well, was that, cool with me. It's fine. You know? Yeah, that's good. Okay, all right. Thanks, Rich. Yeah. Yep. Have yeah, a good take one. Care. That's hilarious. Yeah, you don't know this, but we're in the witness protection program. <laughs> that is a way of curbing it right there. Just putting a stop to it before any kind of wackiness can happen with your neighbor. Just tell them that you're with the witness protection program. I think that would stop any kind of uh, actions on their part. <laughs> so I told my neighbors that I have leprosy. Oh, good. So did you did you train your body to have limbs fall off or anything? No, I just do that thing where I pretend to take my thumb off, but it's really oh, not coming right. off. Fools them every time. Yeah. Or, yeah. or I've got your nose <laughs> when you do that to a kid. I saw a kid traumatized by that. The old thumb is your nose bit. All right, uh, we got more crazy tenant horror stories. If you've got a sort of a nightmare landlord story, 312-981-7200. We'll jump back into it. Let's get to the news. Someday when I 
softly low When the world is cold I will feel a glow Just thinking of yeah. you Swinging Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock As we are every weeknight into the weekday morning 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Following us at 4, we head over to Bradley Place to the TV side of WGN and get some early morning news from that great team. And then at 5 o'clock, for your morning drive, it's the one, the only, the legendary Bob Surratt. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Um, We've got some uh, classic Carson comedy. We always play some classic Carson comedy clips. Um, because, uh, you know, the Johnny Carson show, you can watch it every night on antenna TV. So we like to play little comedy bits, whether it's stand up or whether it's, uh, interviews or sketches. Well, we're going to get a visit from G Walter Schneer, who is an airline safety expert. And that's, uh, coming up at two We're going to talk about a grandmother who kept a McDonald's hamburger in a bag for 20 years and it still didn't rot and some fast food myths. And uh, maybe uh, take a little uh, survey on what your fast food favorites are. Like your favorite fast food items, maybe? Just get specific about that. Right now, though, we're talking about some horror stories of uh, from tenants uh, who had some just really bad experiences. And if you've had any uh, uh, horror stories or bad landlord uh, stories, we would love to hear from you. Uh, 312-981-7200. This is the Team Hockberg phone line. 312 981 7200. Um, all right, more more true stories. Here's uh, here's one. Los Angeles is an expensive place to live, but one unscrupulous landlord wound up facing criminal charges in an effort to exploit tenants desperate for cheaper housing. His alleged offense, converting a triplex into a shocking 44 rental rooms. Unsurprisingly, the illegal conversion was accompanied by dangers, including faulty wiring, a lack of smoke detectors, illegally installed kitchens. Jeez. 44 44 rental rental rooms. rooms. This is a a, a three, what is that? A triplex. So that's a three flat? Yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't that nuts? How do you even possibly do that? I don't know. How do you find, because... With construction people to help you out? I guess so. Uh, that's, that's, so if it's three, three floors, that's, uh, we'll round that up to 15, you know, it's 14 point whatever. So let's call it like 15 rooms a floor. Yeah. That's insanity. 44 rental rooms. 44 rental rooms, 15 people living on each floor. Yeah. That's like some gangs of New York stuff. Yeah. That's the slums. How about this horror story? A rental home. With walls full of black mold, raw sewage floating in the basement, and trash and debris blocking the back door. Even worse, upon being told he had to find safer housing for his tenants, a Detroit landlord put them in a hotel with prostitutes and drug users. A landlord was smacked with 60 days in jail for code violations. Yeah, go ahead. You stay stay at the hotel. I'll put you up in this hotel. If you need a hooker, just you know, go go next door and knock. <laughs> tenants get a discount. Uh, how about this a New York City landlord was twice busted for secretly filming uh, female residents in his building 
In one case, he hit a camera inside of a bathroom clock. The resident found the camera, which contained a USB drive full of illicit videos. After authorities reviewed footage found on the landlord's computer, it was discovered that he had also secretly filmed a second tenant. See, that's just creepy, man. That's just scary. Jeez. You know, and I thought I, I thought I had it bad with the five kids across the hall running around like loons. No. Small potatoes compared to how bad it can get. Oh no. I mean these are these stories are insane. I will say this though, the kids did did really annoy me. Because they had a tendency to run around and be their loudest in the middle of the day. Now, you know, that's fine and dandy, but you know, I'm trying to sleep, man. And I realized that, you know, this is the thing about, about people who work our shift. I, I feel like I can't complain. You know what I mean? I can't tell the world to shut up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because the majority of people are working then mm-hmm. and sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. So I just I feel like I don't have the right to, uh, to complain. I think it would be kind of hypocritical. I mean, I just have to grin and bear it. At least that's what I do. You know, and I live right by the Kennedy and, and an yeah. L line and an L, you know, stop. That's why. On a main street, on a four lane street. Yeah, I have to fall asleep with headphones in. Yeah. Uh, which I know is probably not good for me, but I have these little Bluetooth um, earbuds that go and just pop in and then uh, put my phone on the charger and put some sort of like. Uh, I don't know. Ambient noise yeah, or something ambient, like that. I'll listen to some Brian Eno or something <laughs> from Music for Airports. The Sound of Whales or something ah, like that. there you go. That would freak me out. I don't want to listen. You don't, don't like listen. the Sound of Whales? You don't, don't find that common? I don't want to listen to whales while I'm trying to sleep. What about like rainforest drizzle no. or something no. like that? No. Well, now they've got these apps where uh, famous people will read you yeah, bedtime stories. Yeah, I know, I know. I actually think that's kind of cool. I'd love to have Charlize Theron read me a bedtime story or something. But to- she would have to be furiosa. <laughs> you're on a calming beach. No, you're in a big rig. Yeah. <laughs> you're in a nitro truck. <laughs> that's right. Your enemy mutants are gonna, strapped to the front. I'm going to put you to sleep with my robot arm. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take the long nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we've got a few more of these stories, um, and if you've ever had a nightmare uh, landlord situation or a terrible apartment or that kind of thing, 312-981-7200. We've got a few more of these, then we've got some Carson comedy coming up, uh, and then we're going to jump into some fast food talk and uh, discuss this story about a grandmother who kept a McDonald's hamburger in a bag for 20 years and it didn't rot. Didn't they do that a few times? Hasn't I mean, this has been a story that's been that's been done a bunch of times. Like, particularly with fast food. Yeah, they, people like to put, uh, like, fries or chicken nuggets. Yeah. But I don't think they've ever gone this long, though. I've never seen one that's... 20 years is a long time. 20 years, two decades. Yeah. Jeez, that's crazy. All right. Uh, and then we're going to do uh, uh, fast food myths and what are your singular favorite fast food items. And we'll do that in a little bit, but we've got more tenant horror stories coming up right here on 720 WGN. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ah, yes. Michael McDonald. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. It's a Tuesday morning. We are here until 4 o'clock. <clears throat> We're going to talk about uh, a grandmother who keeps a McDonald's hamburger in a bag for 20 years and it still didn't rot. Some fast food myths, and I'll uh, talk about some of your favorite fast food items in particular. And uh, we'll get some Carson Comedy Classics. He's going to be uh, G. Walter Schneer, airline safety expert. <laughs> we like to have some Carson comedy, because you can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. All right, right now we're uh, still sharing some real horror stories about uh, tenants and how in houses and apartments and stuff. How about this? A would-be tenant backed slowly away from a potential rental room in London when she was given a list of 31 house rules. Many typed in all caps before signing her lease. Among them, no pork allowed, ever. <laughs> what? No overnight visitors. No showers longer than 15 minutes during the morning and evening hours. No cooking exceeding, exceeding 30 minutes. And no lingering in the kitchen after meals. What? You can't let it linger. You can't cook for th- more than 30 minutes? Most meals take more than 30, more minutes. Than 30 minutes to make if, it, if you're counting your prep in there. Unless you're just eating macaroni and cheese every day. That still takes about 30 minutes for macaroni and cheese. You it does not the, take macaroni you gotta and cheese. You got to let the water minutes. boil. The water has to boil. Okay? 5 minutes tops. No, longer than 5 minutes. To t- for water to boil? Yeah. What do you what do you cook? Are you cooking it what? A teaspoon of water? <laughs> no, you just You got to have enough water to let the macaroni breathe, my friend. I I'm aware of this. I know, but you don't need that much water. You can boil, you can make macaroni and cheese in under 30 minutes. I'm going to say a cool 20 to 25 at the absolute most. I would say at least 25 minutes to make macaroni and cheese. You know what? Now, I'm going to make macaroni and cheese on Friday. I'm going to film myself doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I will I will have the full video evidence of how long it takes and me. You're going to purposely uh over al dente the, the the mac just to make I it quicker. I am not. Stop it. <laughs> I will have an impartial third party taste the macaroni and cheese. Now, let me ask you this. When you're making the classic blue box craft macaroni and cheese. Sure. With the powder. With the powder. Not the squeeze gel. Not the sauce. Yeah. The squeeze gel cheese. That's in the that's in the tinfoil pack. Right. No. Um, all right. Do you, when you add the butter and the milk mm-hmm. and the powder, do you do you, you do keep it over the heat? Yes, not very high, but I, I at a low heat. Yeah, just to help you it along. You gotta keep it. At, you gotta keep it over the heat. Yeah, not a lot though. Yeah. Maybe I, at a two. I put I put more butter than is called for. Um, in, in, in when I make macaroni, when I make the craft macaroni and cheese, I put more butter want, than you want the creaminess, right? I do. You want that creaminess? Yeah. yeah. Same amount of milk. Uh, I I go for a little bit less just for the health consciousness of it. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> It's mac and cheese. <laughs> it's not going to be healthy anyway. You eat it. No, I just don't. I mean, I put I put just about the recommended amount of butter. I go. I go. I go at least two sticks. Shocking. 
shocking. At least two sticks. Two sticks? (laughs) (laughs) That's like five times the amount of butter you're supposed to use. And just a splash of milk. You're mad. You're a madman. Splash of milk because I'm going to drink milk with it. Yeah. Do you ever put a little shredded cheese on top? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have. But I I just think that the, the... you know, the Kraft Blue Box macaroni and cheese is just so classic. Mm-hmm. Just don't mess with it. No. Well, if I'm feeling frisky, maybe I'll crush some, like, Doritos or something and put that on top. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could do that, but I, it's just such a – it's a, just a childhood connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all grew up on the Blue on the blue Box mac yeah. and cheese. It's soothing. Yeah. All right. Landlords are supposed to give tenants ample notice if they need to enter their unit. But one Florida landlord decided that it was more a recommendation than a requirement. After finding his lights on and belongings moved around several times, a befuddled tenant set up a camera that caught his landlord strolling around his home on several occasions. The landlord denied that he was entering without permission until he was told that he was on tape, at which point he tried to kick the tenant out without returning a security deposit. That's really scary. I was, you know what? That actually did happen to me before. Just someone get, came into your 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 place. Yeah, our, they were like showing off because we were we were moving out. Um, oh, they were showing the apartment. Yeah, they were showing the apartment, and then never told us. He just showed up and unlocked the door, and luckily we were all home. I remember I just, I, uh, I was very vocal about my uh, displeasure for that. Yeah. Yeah, I I was like, what what the hell do you think you're doing? Yeah, it's like I have to show the apartment. These people apply. They're like the you, poor people are standing you, right you there. Need to They're let freaked us know. out. Yeah, well, I, I feel bad for the people. In. I felt bad for the people because they were freaked out. They were like, I they were not expecting to see anybody here. You know, because they tell it, they tell you you got to be out, you got to be gone for like thirty minutes or an hour. Um, yeah, it was super awkward. Uh, credit checks and proof of income go hand in hand with rental applications, but one San Francisco landlord overstepped his bounds big time when it comes to financial requirements. He slipped a memo under tenants' doors demanding that they retroactively prove an income of at least $100,000 or a credit score of 725 or above, most likely in an effort to drive older tenants out of the rent-controlled building and make way for new ones paying market rates. After that, un- un- after a little unsavory media attention, the landlord rescinded the memo and apologized to residents. I don't even know if you're allowed to do that. Hundred thousand dollars—you got to make at least a hundred thousand dollars to live here, or have a credit score of seven twenty-five. I-, I wonder what kind of place this was, because most people who are making a hundred thousand dollars a year probably own where they live. If they're smart. yeah, if you're yeah. making a hundred k a year, well, you're probably an first owner. of all. It says in this in in, in this piece. It was rent-controlled. It was a rent-controlled building. Yeah. Most people who are living in a rent-controlled building don't make $100,000. don't make $100K. It's ridiculous. Is, is New York City the only place that really does rent control? The only major city? Um, I can't think of any others. Yeah, I can't, really, I can't really think of it either. I know it's been in New York for you. They did it in New York. They yeah. did it in New York for years. You know, because rent in New York is insane. Mm-hmm. Rent is insane. I, I, I visited New York in the 80s a bunch of times. Stayed with uh, a friend. Uh, some friends, five guys in a one bedroom, and I can't remember what they paid, but it was outrageous. Bathtub in the middle of the kitchen. I'm not kidding. No, I, I believe you. I absolutely believe you. And I can't. I mean, I've heard some more stories. This was in the age, like eighty seven, eighty eight. So, so I don't know what they were paying, but it was it, it was ridiculous. Was was New York still in the rough phase? 
Uh, it was on the way out. It was on the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was on the way but out. It was still pretty like. Yeah. Still New York, New York. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Not like now New York. Now no. New York is very different from what I can tell. Oh, no, no, no. It's completely different than it was. In the, no, in the 87, it was still shaky. Mm. Yeah. Giuliani. When did Giuliani get in? Because that's when it started to turn around, when Giuliani got in. And he cleaned up Times Square, which made me sad because I like Times Square scummy. Let's see. Uh, Mayor of New York City. Not until 1994. Yeah, so it was still shaky until then. Because yeah. it really, it was, it was Giuliani's tenure yeah, as mayor. Yeah, that's when he comes around. That's when it turned. Yeah, that's when it turned. So, man, I remember the first time I went to New York and walked walked down 42nd Street. I was like, what is happening? You know, and I, geez. Um, nothing fixes a rental like a dispute like a bomb. A New Jersey landlord might take the cake for craziest response to a rent dispute. He was charged with planting a bomb in his rental building in an effort to frame a former tenant, a pizzeria owner, who he was battling in court. The bomb was rigged to go off when someone opened the door to the pizzeria, police say, and could have killed dozens by igniting natural gas in the air. Oh, wow. (sighs) It might have been a joke, but a note that a quirky Colorado landlord sent to his tenant after the 2012 presidential election didn't leave everyone laughing. If you voted Democrat on November 6th, please please notify me ASAP so I can raise your rent uh, to help pay for what you asked for, the note read. The landlord also criticized President Barack Obama for, quote, an assault on small business. One tenant insisted the note was a failed attempt at humor. But another said she'd been threatened with eviction over her political uh, beliefs. Uh, Here's Bill on WGN. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I've got a unique one here. So my daughter's a a student over at State College, and and we're moving into an apartment. And the apartment's above a a retail store. It's a retail shoe store, right? Uh And what was unique about the setup is that the shoe store had a display window, so it was a common, so the apartment's above a shoe store, there's a display window in the front, and and that, and the door to get into my daughter's apartment, you had, it, it it was a key code, so you put a code in, but the shoe store also had to use it to get in there to get to their display window to display the shoe. Oh, okay. So, so I don't know if you could see where this was going, but anyway, we move her in. It's uh, it's senior year, and, uh, and we go, hey, we're going to grab a bite to eat, and we end up uh, going out to eat. I come back, and the door is wide open. Oh. And I said, and I said, you know, I I, I could have sworn I locked the door. Anyway, next thing I know, I see a shoe store employee in there, right? And they're they're in. And I said, well, what are you in doing the apartment? In this hallway that leads oh. to the upstairs apartment. Yeah, there's no other door, right? He goes, well, we need access to this, and we have the code and to get our shoe displays and modify displays. And I'm saying, hey, hey, wait a minute. You know, you can get in here anytime. There's no other door, you know, the, the door at the top of the stairway that leads into the upstairs apartment. Right. There was, there was no other locking door in there. And there's, you know, there's four girls that are living there. So yeah. I called the landlord. I said, this is ridiculous. I go, these people in the shoe store have random access. Who knows who, you know, who they're giving the code to? She says, all right, I'll change the code. Next thing you know, I get a call from her. She says, I want those girls all out of that apartment. I'll refund you their deposit, 
but they got to be out of the apartment by Monday. School's starting in three days. Oh, I have no man, other, oh, have no other, no other thing to do. No control. So I said, you know, I had a cave in at that point in time, and I said, well, you know, here's what we're going to do. You know, get, you know, we'll, you know, give us the code and we'll let the people in. She wouldn't do that. So here's here's the topper. What was going on? Now, you know, my daughter tells me this over the course of a year, is that you know they'd have a, a contractors come in there. And randomly, they'd be walking in the the apartment, you know, to fix some plumbing or do an issue without notifying anybody. They'd give the contractors the code. Oh, These girls man, would, oh, would come in. It, I mean, it was horrible. And, it, it you know, it, it gets even better. Um, so, so anyway, one of the days, the con- one of the contractors was there. The landlord was there with the contractor. It was a plumber. And my girlfriend was there, and her boyfriend happened to be with her, and it was in the afternoon or the evening or whatever. And the plumber comes up, he sees the boyfriend, he goes over and sits on the boyfriend's lap. And the guy's like, what do you think you're doing? So, you know, just total, total yeah. creeps. Anyway, good news is, you know, they, you know, didn't have any real problems. Yeah. Well, um, that's moving crazy. Out of the, that's moving crazy. out of the apartment, right? She graduated and everything. Moving out of the apartment. My daughter comes out, hears some noises. Here's, there's a girl walking around the apartment. And she says, well, what, what are you doing here? She goes, oh, we're moving in the apartment. Uh, the guy in the shoe store gave me the code to get up here. I'm measuring the apartment. Just random people crazy. walking around in there. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. Total, totally insane yeah. stuff. All right, Bill, thanks. All right, take it easy. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. Just random people walking what a, through What apartment. a saga. Jeez. You know? Crazy. Well, that, that's the topper right there. We ended on a high note. <laughs> I don't think we can top that one. All right. Uh, we've got the news here, and then uh, when we come back, we got the Carson Comedy Classic for you. But let's get to the newsroom. Sometimes you twist, always insist. Yeah. Ben Orr, right? Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock as we are every uh, weekday morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. After 4, we head over to uh, Bradley Place, to the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great team, and then the one, the only, the legendary Bob Surratt at 5 o'clock for your morning drive. 312-981-7200, that's the phone number from the uh, Team Hockberg phone line. If you would like to join us, we would love to hear from you. We're going to go into the world of fast food um, and talk about some fast food facts that are actually false and uh, what are your favorite fast food items. But before we jump into that, uh, right around 2.30 every weekday morning, we like to play back some classic clips from Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV um, every night. And uh, around 2.30, we always like to play back clips and uh, get a laugh going here. We play some stand-up. We'll play some uh, sketches or some interviews. Well, uh, this morning, as we head over to the world of Johnny Carson for our clip, we are going to visit with G. Walter Schneer, (laughs) who is an airline safety expert. So uh, let's visit with G. Walter Schneer, airline safety expert, from this uh, classic Carson episode. Hey, 
Good evening. My name's G. Walter Schneer. I'm the official spokesman for the Council of Regional Airline Professionals, or it's known as the industry crap. <laughs> which is what, which is what you'll think when you see how high we've raised our ticket prices. <laughs> now a lot of you are confused by the initials you see on your baggage tag. Now let's let's clear that up right now. Now here's one that reads LAX. Now, you folks from the West Coast area know that that means that the bag's destination is Los Angeles International Airport. Wrong. That is the passenger's destination. This luggage will be going to Lithuania, Angola, and Xenia, Ohio. I see also... I see also this has a special handling tag on it. Bon voyage, remember? The airline is people working for people, and our heart is as big as the wild blue yonder. Excuse me. Schneer here. You say your husband was on our ill-fated shuttle flight 414, and you want to see about collecting on his $100,000 flight insurance policy. Uh, you feel it was pilot error. Well, let's find out if it was pilot error. We just got the black box recorder containing the last few minutes of conversation in the cockpit on flight 414. Let's listen to that. Well, as you can hear, ma'am, it wasn't pilot air at all. No, that's an act of God. Therefore, we're not responsible. Uh, checking our records, by the way, we show that your late husband neglected to turn in his stereo headphones before the end of the flight. <laughs> yeah. So if you'll just please remit to us $5.75. Well, the same to you. <laughs> Here at the airlines, as you can see, we're doing what we do best. Treating you like the inconsequential dirt bags we think you are. <laughs> Pardon me, I made a reservation for uh, New York. Uh, your ticket, please. Okay, let me check that. You're scheduled on, on flight 80. That's correct, uh, flight 80. Uh, my name is uh, Roddy Finkel. Mr. Finkel. All right, fine, Mr. Finkel. Let me, let me punch that into our, our computer terminal here. Finkel, right. Well, well Mr. Finkel... That flight is fully booked. There's not a seat on board, Flight 80. But I have a chicken in Flight 80, and it's paid for. Well, this ticket's invalid. Well, excuse me, I have another customer. Hi, I think I'd like to go someplace. How about Flight 80? Gate 32. Now, what are you doing? Hey, nothing. Nothing. How'd you like... Take flight 80. Oh, sure, okay. 8.32. What's going on? You left those people on flight 80 and I had a ticket paid for. Well, that's because, Mr. Finkel, was it? <laughs> that's because you've been what we call in the airline industry bumped. But don't worry, sir, because we're required by federal law in the event of overbooking to provide the bump passenger with first-class lodging and meals. Oh, that's a relief. Now, you take this dime... And the rest of this baby Ruth You go down in the men's room stall there Have a nice night
Now let's talk about safety. That's the concern on many of you folks' mind. Now let's say you're cruising at an altitude of 35,000 feet. The cabin depressurizes and the plane starts falling rapidly toward the ground. Well, this device will automatically drop out from the overhead compartment. Now what do you do? Well, you place this, this elastic band around your head. Then you take this clear plastic mask portion, put that securely over your nose and mouth. You take a deep breath and you say, Hello, Lord, are you available for brunch? <laughs> You know, you know, we should have cut that, you know. I was wrong there. You know, since the, since the air traffic controllers were all fired, people ask, hey, are the skies safe? And if you replace those guys with qualified personnel, the answer is absolutely. Here comes our head air traffic controller right now. Now, he is a dedicated, competent professional. Uh, Want to buy a flower for peace? Hurry, hurry. Hey, come on, give me a break. Leave me alone. Now, look, leave that man alone. He's got important work to do. The lives of tens of thousands of people depend on his judgment. Now, go on and get the hell out of here. I'll call airport security. <laughs> Flight 68 coming in. Good boy. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> oh man. You know, you gotta you gotta make fun of the airlines. That's just what you do. Oh boy. G. Walter Schneer. Breaking down the airlines for you. Right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll play more uh, Johnny Carson clips during the week here. We do every weekday morning at uh, at 2.30. Get a laugh going. Play some classic uh, Carson. And it'll be, um, it's, you know, we do uh, clips and, and stand up and all kinds of fun stuff. So that'll be coming up. All right. I got some weather for you. Do you enjoy weather? You like the weather. Um, today, extensive cloudiness, peaks of passing sun, seasonably warm, moderately humid, humid, several showers and a few thunderstorms, uh, in the afternoon. Um, and it'll be a high of 79 for tonight. Rain will exit partial clearing, some fog patches and a low of 65 Wednesday, partly sunny, warm, 84 degrees Thursday, partly cloudy, uh, warm and fairly windy, slight chance of a thunderstorm or two high of 85. Uh, Friday, mostly sunny, breezy, and cooler with a high of 76. And Saturday, mostly sunny, windy, and warm with a high of 82. Currently, 73 degrees at O'Hare, 74 at Midway, 72 at the lakefront here on 720 WGN. Okay, we're going to break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, about a, um, a grandmother who kept a McDonald's burger in a closet for 24 years, and it didn't rot. And then we're going to talk about some fast food facts that are actually false. And then if you want to call in, what is your single favorite fast food item? Or do you even eat fast food? Do you, do you, do you enjoy the fast? What fast food item do you enjoy? 312-981-7200. That's our phone number. And uh, we'll jump back into that topic. Uh, coming up.
song played constantly at that three flat that was turned into 44 rental rooms. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy the veal. Um, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Um, we are live in the Skyline studio here, here until 4 o'clock, as we are every weekday morning. Um, and uh, we're going to jump into uh, some fast food stuff. Fast food myths. Um, we're also about to tell you a story about a grandmother um, that kept a McDonald's burger in a closet for 24 years. And the news is next from the Northwestern uh, Medicine Newsroom. So we did have other versions of this story in the past, right? People, yeah. What the what people like to do, you know, they, you'll they'll put fries, or McNuggets, or what have you from the McDonald's menu. In some sort of like underneath like a like a glass jar or something like that. Yeah. And just leave it there for an extended period of time and observe. I think we even did this as a science experiment and when I was in grade school. Okay. The teacher brought in, you know, McDonald's and put it underneath like a big, you know, bell jar and uh we observed it over the course of a few days, uh, versus like a, a hamburger that he had cooked at home or something like that. And um it did didn't didn't rot. There was no mold. It didn't really change all that much. Obviously, uh, no one ate it. Well, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, that's weird, man. Well, I mean, there's tons. Of, it's kind of like when you get bread sometimes from the store and you're like, mm, this maybe should have gone bad by now. Yeah. There's a certain amount of preservative versus like, like I love to go to the Jewel and get the fresh like Vienna bread or Italian yeah, bread. Yeah, sure. It's great. Little, yeah. But that's going to go bad in like three days, three, four days. Hard as a rock. Hard as a rock, moldy. Yeah. Because it's freshly baked bread. It doesn't last particularly long. You want to kind of eat that within a couple of days. Um, so here's the story, and this is out of the UK. A TikTok user. Do you use the TikTok? No, I'm a grown man. Well, this is a, a, a grandmother, and she's on the TikTok. I didn't realize she was a grown man. TikTok user named Ali Sherb recently shared a video, oh, of his grand showing off the meal that she says she kept in a shoebox at her home in the U.S. since 1996. The caption for the clip, viewed more than three million times, reads, what happens when you leave a McDonald's hamburger in a bag for over 20 years? So this means that this woman went to McDonald's in 1996 and thought to herself, I'm going to put this in a bag and see what happens. And just leave it. And just leave it in my closet for 20 years. Um, the food doesn't look fresh, but it doesn't look like it was cooked in the same year that saw Princess Diana and Prince Charles divorce. The Spice Girls released their debut song, Wannabe. Uh, and Alan Shearer be, become the most expensive footballer in the world. Oh, this is definitely British. Do you know who Alan Shearer is? I do. Is he good? Is he worth the uh, the money that they paid him? Oh, yeah. Because you're a soccer dude. <laughs> I am a soccer dude. Uh, yeah, he was a big deal. In the TikTok video, the grandmother picks up a white shoebox, which has hamburger written on the side and holds it up to the camera. 
she tells her granddaughter, so, you want to see my hamburger? It was in a box in my closet. As she opens the box, she holds a paper bag that she claims the meal was served in, pointing to an advert for NASCAR races in 1996. This dates the hamburger. It's now 24 years old, she says. The woman picks up a small white bag containing fries and dumps some of them into her hand. She tells the camera, these French fries look like they maybe could have fallen under your seat a month ago or so, but they never rotted or decayed. She then reaches inside the bag, pulls out the hamburger and removes it from its wrapper, and she takes the hamburger apart to show the camera, and she says the hamburger itself, there it is, and the bread is never molded. What about the uh, condiments there? I wonder what those were like. You got your little ketchup and your little uh, mustard and your pickle and then your uh, dehydrated onions. Is that what they are? They're dehydrated? Yeah. The ones that they use on the hamburgers and the cheeseburgers and the Big Macs, that's dehydrated onions. Mm-hmm. You get a, you get a, They come in a bag. Mm-hmm. You pour them, because I worked at McDonald's. Or I don't know if this is the, maybe it's yeah. changed. Well, because you know they, they made the whole push to like 100% fresh beef. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm well, going to be honest, you know, we've both, you know, we've had McDonald's over the course of our yeah, lives. Yes, we have. You know? And <laughs> I, I worked there for a few years. You worked years. there for a while. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, but you don't really eat that much fast food anymore. I do anymore. not. Not anymore. Not in that sense. Yeah. Uh, it's never tasted better. Really, I've honest. I can I, honestly the, say I, a McDonald's the, hamburger in 2020 has never tasted better. I will say this: the the last time and the only times that I've eaten at McDonald's recently, mm-hmm. always breakfast. Yeah, I mean, breakfast is just the move uh, for McDonald's. It's the, now. it's the it's the best it's because the best. any sort of burger you can get at McDonald's, you could probably get somewhere else better. for roughly the same price and better. better. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's weird because. So the burger didn't. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, the dehydrated onions. What we would do, they came in a bag. Mm-hmm. You'd pour them in a metal bowl, uh, pour water in, stick it in the walk-in for twenty-four hours. The walk-in cooler, mm-hmm. not the Christopher walk-in. <laughs> and then you take that'd be the one lid. hell of a walk. Yeah, you take the lid off, and all of the the water has been absorbed by the onions, and then they uh, they're. They, that's what they put on the. Uh, it's 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 only on the bur- the cheeseburgers, the burgers, and the Big Mac. And I, again, I don't know. I mean, this is I worked there in the early eighties. This is we're talking about. The, I mean, that's old McDonald's. I think you're. This isn't your dad's McDonald's. Yeah, this new McDonald's. They, I mean, the uh, McDonald's downtown now, the old rock and roll McDonald's, looks like they also sell iPads. I know it's nuts. And that drive-through is always packed. Always packed. You know why? Because we're heading home at like. Four-ish. Mm-hmm. And w- y- y- you get the breakfast, man. That's what the line is for. People oh, yeah. are getting their McDonald's breakfast, man. On on Friday mornings after the show, I generally like to treat myself to a little McDonald's breakfast. Up by, we- by your house? Yeah, up by me. There's a, the one right on Wilson. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'll tell you, it's always there's always a few Listen, people. Man. There's always a few people. Hash browns, sausage McMuffin with egg. Mm-hmm. Orange juice, and I've tried replicating it at home. Believe you me, yeah. I've I've done everything to try and replicate it. It's not the same. I had a guy on years ago on my show who wrote a series of books replicating fast food items that you can make at home, and he brought in some stuff, and I can't remember what he brought in, but it was he oh he, he replicated a Big Mac. Was it pretty damn close? It was really good. 
Yeah. I, I, I still have his books somewhere. They're probably in a box in my closet at home. But he wrote like he wrote like a bunch of books. He surveyed people to see what their favorite fast food items were, and then experimented in his kitchen until he got them as close to possible, and then put the put the uh, the recipes together in a couple of books. I can't imagine how hard it would have been to replicate the sauce, the Big Mac sauce. Well, I mean, it's Thousand Island dressing and something else. I know, but it's not, it's not quite the same. No, I agree. There's something. I agree. So. Man, I gotta dig those books up again. Yeah, that's the that's the question. What's your favorite fast food item, and would you like to replicate it at home? And have you tried three one two nine eight one seven two hundred? Have you tried to replicate, you know, like a Big Mac or your favorite fast food item, egg McMuffin or anything like that? So three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, and uh, we will talk fast food facts that are actually false as well. Uh, but right now, we're going to go to the news. All right, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, uh, live in the Skyline studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, uh, here till 4 o'clock, as we are every weeknight into the weekday morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. After 4, we head over to Bradley Place to the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great team, and then back here for your morning drive with the great Bob Surratt. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. What's your favorite fast food item? Do you have a fa- just a singular favorite fast food item? And have you ever tried to recreate them at home? I don't know. Uh, I, ca- I can't remember the name of those books, Tom, that, uh, that that dude wrote where he replicated fast food recipes. But he, uh, I'm telling you, the stuff he brought in, I'm trying to remember. He did bring a Big Mac in and... Um, yeah, he brought in he brought in two different sandwiches. I can't remember what the second one was, but they were both pretty good. So, um, so do you know what my, you know what my favorite fast food uh, item is? Sausage McMuffin with well, cheese. That's my favorite breakfast okay. fast food item. My favorite fast food item is the McRib. The McRib is the greatest. Unspecified rib meat. Well, that's the thing. It, it, there's no lying in that sandwich because the patty is shaped like it's got bones. So you're like, "Hi, I'm a McRib. I'm completely processed." There's no lying. There's no hiding. <laughs> this is a completely <laughs> processed piece of food. Yeah. I mean, look at the patty. You really think you're going to be able to bite through ribs? Yeah, the McRib is my favorite. Is it just seasonal now, right? Yeah, it's been seasonal for years. That's too bad. It used to be, when I worked at McDonald's, it was a regular item. Yeah, I think it's just better that way. Well, you know, you know then, it builds up excitement. Yeah. You remember the episode of the Osbournes? About the McRib? No, when they're in the back of the car, and they're driving home, and it's Jack and Kelly, and they're in the back, and Jack goes, oh, look, the McRib is back, and Kelly goes, the McRib is back. Please, and like, totally makes fun of Jack for being excited that the McRib is back. Because they pass a McDonald's and the you know and the, and the marquee says the McRib is back. Jack gets all excited. Oh, the McRib is back, Kelly. The McRib is back. You have a favorite fast food item? Hmm. 
Favorite fast food item. Uh, in terms of what uh, my go-to is, it kind of depends on where I'm at. Uh, if it's McDonald's, it's going to be double quarter pounder with cheese. Jeez, that's a lot of meat. Yeah, I, well, I don't go to Mc, I don't go to eat McBurgers at McDonald's all that often. So if I'm going, I'm gonna get all of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, favorite, I guess it depends. I guess it depends on the the you know the 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 fast food joint. Yeah, I'm gonna say favorite overall though is the Crunchwrap Supreme at Taco Bell. Taco Bell, unbelievable. It's amazing it's what they. What, it's amazing what Taco Bell can do with basically three items. Beef, cheese, lettuce, and lettuce. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you though. I love there. It's it's good stuff. Oh, honestly. I love Taco Bell. I unapologetically love Taco Bell. WGN Radio. Mike's on three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. Do you have a favorite fast food item? And have you ever tried to replicate it? Like I said, I, I, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find this author online. It was a long time ago when I had him on. I mean, it was probably like maybe 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago when I had this guy on. And um, he brought in, like I said, he replicated a Big Mac and another fast food sandwich, brought it in, and the book is filled with all these recipes on how you can make these famous fast food items at home. So uh, let's hear from you at 312-981-7200. So we got some fast food facts that are actually false. I want to go through those. And I also want to talk to you about your favorite fast food items. Which ones are they? Let's single them out. When you go to a fast food place, what do you order? And have you tried to replicate them? Our phone lines are open at 312-981-7200. All right, here we go. Some fast food facts that are actually false. Don't believe everything you hear. Fast food gets a bad rap, and understandably so in many cases. Still... Rumors about six-legged chickens and dog food-based taco meat are a little overstated. Why do these crazy sources, stories persist? These urban legends reveal how disconnected we are from our food, says Angel Flanells, who is a spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Most people have never been on a farm to see how livestock are raised, he says. In the past, surveys have found that respondents don't know what animal hamburgers come from, and think chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Uh, it might be just as easy to believe some of the following fast food myths, but now you'll know better. Yeah, the the old the the chocolate chocolate uh, chocolate milk coming from brown cows thing is one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> So here are some uh, fast food myths. We're going to go through them uh, in a second. These are uh, fast food myths, and uh, we're talking fast food. What is your favorite fast food item? What's your go-to? And uh, have you ever tried to replicate any of that stuff at home? 312-981-7200. That's the number, and uh, we'll uh, jump right back to the phones and uh, get your uh, comments and your favorite fast food items and more and some fast food myths right here on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the uh, Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to the TV side of WGN, to our brothers and sisters over there. 
get some early morning news from that team, and then Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200 is the uh, phone number. We're talking fast food. What are your favorite fast food items? Do you have a very favorite go-to? And have you ever tried to re- replicate them in your own kitchen at home? 312-981-7200. We also have some fast food facts that are actually not facts. They're false. Um, so uh, let's see. Let's take a couple calls, and we'll get back some more of these fast food myths. Here's Don on WGN. Hey, Don. Hey, Nick. How you doing, buddy? All right. What's up? Um, yeah, tacos is my uh, go-to thing. Any specific taco? Uh, no, you know, just uh, you know, sometimes it's ground beef and steak. Actually, just steak, but uh, the sinatra and all that stuff is pretty good. And yeah, I did replicate it at home, so it's just something easy but very good, you know. Yeah. So you're talking Taco Bell? Oh no, no. I'm just, well, uh, no. I'm talking about like a regular uh, authentic. Um, yeah, so 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 like yeah. a real Mexican taco, not Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, Don. See ya. Hey, I had a quick story, real quick, about pizza, real quick for you. Um, when we were kids, we put in, you know, they used to have the smorgasbord. Yeah, and um, we put in five bucks, and uh, we were just who could eat them, eat the most. I ended up eating like twenty three pieces, but my buddy he had like twenty seven of those things. I was like, oh my god, slices so, or squ- cutting squares. No, no, slices. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, crazy. That's pretty okay. crazy. All right, Don, take care. Why are you eating a pizza cut like that in Chicago? Got to be cutting squares as God intended. <laughs> I've told you I have a friend from Pittsburgh who will send a pizza back if it's cut in squares when he orders it. He's <laughs> He can't believe it. When he first moved here, he was like, why, are you, why do you cut your pizza like that? I said, because it's cool. Uh, here's Mark on WGNA, Mark. Yeah, could that book you're looking for be Todd Wahlberg? I don't. I couldn't remember. What's the name of the book? Yes, Top Secret Recipes. Uh, that's probably what it was. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, it's a good book. I'm, I've read it. He's got he's he's done two or three volumes of it. Yeah, he got everything on there. Yeah, no, and, and he, but like I said, when he came into the studio, he brought in. His replicated Big Mac and another. I just. I wish I could remember the other sandwich that he brought in, but they were both really good. I was like, "Wow, that's just, that's very, 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 very close to tasting like a regular Big uh, Mac." It is by in the, on the web page. It says uh, he's been doing it for thirty years, so it's probably him. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I this this was about twenty years ago when I had him on. Yep. So, all right. What's his name again, Mark? Todd Wilburn. Todd Wilburn. Yeah. Yeah. You want to look him up? What? Uh, Tom W I L B U R Wilbur Todd Wilbur. Okay, thanks, Mark. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Ike, go ahead. All right, go ahead, Ike. Hey Nick. Hey Nick, how's it going with you, man? All right, what's up? Yeah, I uh, I haven't uh, replicated this yet, but I just found the recipe. I would love to do this because I'm surprised they discontinued this. This is this would have been up there like Burger King with Whopper and uh, McDonald's with Big Mac. So I'll have to go with the the Bigfoot from Pizza Hut. Bigfoot from Pizza Hut. Yeah. Is that just a big pizza? A very big pizza. I remember you you did a, you did an episode. You were talking about pizza, and uh, that was me on the text talking about bringing back the the Bigfoot because I, I remember I haven't had one since I was a kid, so I'd love to bring it back. I don't know why Pizza Hut discontinued that. Yeah. Well. Okay. A big pizza from Pizza Hut. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Ike. No problem. Take care. So, um, do you know what year that would have been? Do you maybe have? I'm one? saying. I'm saying. 2000 
around that time. Like oh, I said, oh wow, yeah, no, it's not going to be archived. Anyway. Oh no, 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 no. This um, was a long. This was a, this. He was on the show. He's on the show twice, and it was. Uh, it was early 2000s at the, at the latest. Yeah, I will say Todd Wilbur was on with uh, Dean Richards somewhere around 2015. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's like several volumes of his of his book, as, as was mentioned. I, I think there were, th- but when I had him on, there were three. I think he had just like three. And he, the third he, one. And he would, take, he would take suggestions, you know, from readers. They would send him letters or mm-hmm. contact him online and say, hey, I want the recipe for so-and-so. Yeah, looks like the. Oh, I know what he brought in. What did he bring in? Uh, he brought in a Big Mac, and he did the uh, the Cheddar Bay biscuits from. Uh, oh, from from uh, Red Lobster. Yeah, and they were great because you know the, you know how good those biscuits are at Red Lobster. Yeah. Oh it lo- man, it looks like Todd Wilbur. I mean, some of these got published in the as early as 1993. Yeah, it was either late 90s or early 2000 when I yeah. had him on. I mean, there was. I mean, one, it, was a, it was a while ago. There was one that came out in 1997. Um. Yeah. So probably I, I I'm guessing this is it because if you search like top secret recipes, yeah, this is this is all that comes up. Yeah, and he does he he's done sodas. Yeah, sodas, smoothies, spirits, and shakes. He's all over the place, man. He's made a career out of it. You know, it takes a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of say, experimentation. If, he was, if he's been doing this since like in in, in 1993. And he was on with Dean four years ago. That's pretty successful, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right, are you ready for a fast food myth? Yes. The myth is McDonald's shakes don't contain milk. Who would have started that? I don't know. I guess someone trying to discredit McDonald's. Before dairy alternatives were a commonplace as they are today... Ronald McDonald and company's insistence on calling their drinks shakes rather than milkshakes was met with suspicion about what they were using. Styrofoam and cow eyeballs were among the wilder guesses. What? The fast food giant decided to address this on their uh, website's um, frequently asked question page. Basically, dairy regulations are quite strict about what you can call a milkshake, and the rules vary from state to state. To keep things simple, the company decided to stick just with shake. But their drinks do indeed contain dairy, including soft-serve ice cream, uh, in which the first ingredient is milk and whipped cream. Um, yeah, I mean, no, we had an ice cream machine when I worked at McDonald's. I mean, this was back in the early 80s. There was a soft-serve ice, ice cream machine. And you would, you know, make the shakes with that. There, now, was, there was shake mix. There was yeah. there was there was you know like shake mix that you would have to use. Sure. But let, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Uh one of the most common things that I always hear are the fact that um are, is is the fact that the McDonald's ice cream machine or shake machine is like constantly on the fritz. Uh that that's like that's a, a common that's occurrence. A, that is a common well, it's a it's a common thing. I feel like there's I feel like it's a conspiracy. Well, I mean it happens it happens a lot. Um, you know, people talk about that now where they go in and go, they want to get an ice cream cone or something. They're like, yeah, the machine's down. Is it because they just don't want to make the ice cream it's a pain in the ass? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> oh my God. I knew it. This is going straight to the top. I'm going straight to the top with this. I, I want Ronald held accountable. Keeping that, keeping that ice cream machine going and cleaning it is a royal pain in the butt. Who put you up to this? The Who- Hamburglar? Who put me up to it? Yeah. 
Hey, I, I, hey, you know, I was. Hey, listen, I had to clean the damn thing, and I had to, you know, fill it and put the mix in and all that. I will say, as as a fellow uh, food, I, I don't know. I guess food service. I serve food at the theater. You know, I serve popcorn. Yeah, sure. There's did definitely you have hot dogs at your theater. Yeah, we did. They were just on a roller. You know, how long were they in the in the machine? Uh, honestly, not that long. Really, it's, it's not we, like we wouldn't keep it for longer than uh what would be considered like a round and a half so one round because all the movies start at roughly the same time within yeah they all start within it out so you can empty out the theater and yeah, yeah they all they all let out within about an hour an hour span in about 15 to 20 minute increments uh-huh so that we'd call that a round and on a normal weekday there were three rounds in a shift because we wouldn't even open until about three thirty and two two in the right, afternoon, sure. two thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, so we would never keep the hot dogs for longer than about a round and a half, maybe two rounds if they were on a really low heat, and they would just let it kind of like because they're good hot dogs, all beef. Wait, you ever uh, you ever go into a uh, you ever go into a, like a Seven Eleven and look at like the ancient hot dogs that are on the. We used to, oh my god! So there was a Seven Eleven right across the street from the theater we worked at. Yeah. If if the hot dog had been on there or the taquitos had been on there for oh, a particularly yeah. long yeah, time, yeah, yeah. they would just give them to us for free. They'd be like, "Go ahead, take them." Do you ever have the the hot dog that's stuffed with chili at Seven Eleven? Oh, what? they were good. I know, but it sounds. I'm guessing that that was like chili extract or something like yeah, that it was, actual it was chili like, it was like well it didn't have beans in it but it was like meat uh, meat chili just meat chili stuffed, yeah, into stuffed the inside dog. the hot dog My and God. sometimes it would they'd be on the roller for such a long time they would kind of break open and, and chili would get all over the rollers i'm gonna be honest with you though 7-eleven food in terms of fast food like real fast food like stupid fast pretty good yeah those pizzas were all right you know when i was a drinking man i lived in andersonville i was about four blocks away from a 7-eleven I can't tell you the number of times I was in there at three thirty in the morning, going uh, taking the yeah. Can I get a uh, get a corn dog and a, uh, 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 and, a, and a big gulp? There wasn't a lot of in my in Andersonville. The, you had White Castle, but White Castle was a bit of a haul from my apartment because White Castle was at Devon. It still is, I think. Devon, Ashland, Clark, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, and so that was a bit of a that was a bit of a haul, but. The Seven Eleven was right down the street. It was at, it was at uh, Foster and Ravenswood. That's where that's where it was. You won't believe how quickly they can cook a full pizza. Yeah, they've got like a magic science oven. This was a long time of magic science. Oven. I'm I'm dead serious. I, we called it that because of American <laughs> Hustle. I was going to say because <laughs> we we used to say we used to say that there was a little wizard that lived inside this this ultra fast microwave that would cook. A full pizza, a full frozen pizza, yeah. and a nice one, too, in two and a half minutes. Wow. But I'll tell you what, when you're standing in a 7-Eleven, you, like four beers deep, yeah, you, it's the longest two and a half minutes oh, of no your kidding. entire life. Yeah, absolutely. That's Unreal. Why, that's why I would go for the uh, the hot dogs on the spinner. Because they're just right there. Because they're there. Honestly, the best way to cook a hot dog outside of a grill. And, I, and, get on yeah, the and, and then I'd go right to the nacho cheese and load it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe throw some jalapenos on there if yeah. you're feeling frisky. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, man. We must have the only 7-Elevens in America that have uh, the relish 
the neon green relish. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's awesome. Yeah, No, it's amazing because I've been to 7-Elevens elsewhere. They don't have the relish. I haven't it's been to this. I mean, I don't live in that neighborhood anymore, so I haven't been to the 7-Eleven Foster and, and, uh, and Ravenswood for a very, very, very long time. But they used to have the, the, the bright green relish, the neon green relish. All right, here's another uh, myth. Starbucks Frappuccinos contain insect parts. What? Okay, this one used to be true, but only in the sense that a lot of your food contains the same. After consumer backlash in the spring of 2012, the company stopped using natural red food coloring known as carmine um, uh, or cochineal, which is made from crushed bugs. The dye is food safe and still used in other food and beauty products, but it can cause an allergic reaction to some individuals, and it doesn't qualify as vegan, vegetarian, or kosher. Uh, your favorite fast food items, and have you ever tried to replicate them? Now let's get to the news. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. Here until 4 o'clock, as we are every uh, weeknight into the weekday morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, We're talking fast food, fast food facts that are actually false. And what are your favorite fast food items? What are your go-tos? And have you ever tried to replicate them at home with any success? Here's Big Ed on WGN. Go ahead. Morning, Nick. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Hey, before I get to my fast food, the other day you were talking about uh, the Honeymooners in the episode of Chef of the Future. Yeah. The best the best line in that skit is when Ralph's telling Alice, do you know how long it would take a guy to sell 2,000 of these going door to door? She says, yeah, about one minute if he knocked on that door. If he knocked on this door first, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway, my fast food is, and it's delicious. I make it myself all the time. KFC coleslaw. Oh, that's good coleslaw. Yep. And there's a couple of recipes, but you got to use the recipe that calls for buttermilk. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, they got got great coleslaw at uh, at KFC. They also have great uh, potatoes and, uh, and gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, this recipe to making it at home, it's really easy to do. You need a food processor to grind up the cabbage and carrots. Right. But it's really simple, and it tastes exactly like you get at the store. There you go. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, Big Ed. Yeah, they got got, got really good coleslaw at KFC. Damn fine slaw. Yeah. And the uh, and the I mean the 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 gravy and the potatoes and mashed potatoes and gravy at uh, at KFC are legendary, you know, legendary. If I were on death row, that would be my last meal. What side do you go with when you go to uh, Popeyes? Hmm. Do you go red beans and rice, or uh, generally uh, I go for the Cajun fries. Cajun fries. Oh yeah, yeah. You get the fries. I get the Cajun rice. Cajun rice is good. I mean, not really going wrong, but most of the time, you know, I'm I'm getting like just like the the boneless. I'm getting the tenders. 
Oh, okay. So the tenders and fries is just a great combo. But I, you know, I I like bone in chicken. Well, um, there's more flavor because the flavor and the flavor is in the bone. Well, the worst part is I, like I I used to eat rotisserie chicken all the time. Yeah. Rotisserie chicken was a common meal for me because it's awesome. My fans, <laughs> my fans will not eat rotisserie chicken. Why? Because there's bones in it. Wait, 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 wait. Does she eat? Does she only eat like nuggets and stuff? Yeah, chicken breast. You know, really? Yeah. Hate, hates when there's bones in it. Oh no no no! Fish, no bones. Well, obviously, I mean, you don't well, want to, you, you want deep bone fish. Want the bone, but like sometimes, it, sometimes you get fish, you know, with some bone in it. Like, well, but the thing is, the chicken, it, it, the flavors in the bone. Yeah, no, she 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 has seen me eat wings before, and she looks at me like I'm an, like I'm an animal because <laughs> I like bite the top off and I suck the marrow out because yeah. it's delicious. She's like, what is wrong with you? You look like a Neanderthal who just killed a saber-tooth yeah. tiger of some sort. Wow. All right. Let's see. Here's uh, Gene on WGN. Go ahead, Gene. Hey, uh, make an English muff- uh, McMuffin. You have to have the right ingredients. Do you sh- uh, at Walmart grocery store, they have a sausage patty that's frozen pre-cooked. Very important, pre-cooked. It's in the aisle where you buy waffles, you know, frozen waffles and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so it, um, and it's big. It's about the size of a muffin. And then you um, get, like, base English muffins. You don't have to, sl- oh, they're already pre-selected. Right, right. They're much better. They taste better. And then you just take a, a, one egg and beat it up in a bowl. And you, you should always have an egg pan, like an 8-inch egg pan that, you only cook eggs, and it never cook anything else but eggs, and it, it'll last you forever. Well, the, you know, the Egg McMuffin is not a scrambled egg. No, wait a minute. I'm not done. <laughs> okay. You know, okay. okay. Well, you, I mean... beat, you beat up the one egg like a scrambled egg. Take your uh, frying pan, you know, put a little butter on it. Now pour that one egg in there and don't move the pan. It's going to be... It's going to be... The size of the bottom of the pan, okay? And when it looks like it's cooked pretty good, you know, doesn't have to be totally cooked, you make a square out of it, you know? You take the circle, you fold over one side, then you fold over the... You fold the sides to make a square. The size of a piece of cheese, American cheese, that's what you want. So you're toasting your muffin, you can put the sausage in the microwave, it, you know, uh, don't have to get another pan out. And then you put a slice of cheese on that square egg you just made, and it'll melt, you know, put a little cover on it, and then assemble the whole thing, the muffin and the sausage and the egg with the melted cheese. Put the top on it. You'll love it. You'll eat it. it it's delicious. Yeah, yeah, but an egg McMuffin, like I said, doesn't have scrambled eggs. Honey, it... <laughs> it's a fried egg with well, the... Yeah. You can do that if you want. Yeah. So, but, but all right, Gene. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye. All right. What Gene? What Gene described was that the was that uh, they've got, they got the scrambled egg, um, biscuit. The scrambled oh, egg and have sausage that at biscuit. Yeah, it's a scrambled egg and biscuit. Yeah. It's, but it's on it's on a biscuit. It's not on mm-hmm. the egg. It's not on the McMuff- It's not on the muffin. Well, I know you can get those if you really want to get the McMuffin uh, shape. You know how it's like kind of a disc. I mean, it's a fresh egg. It is a fresh egg, but yeah, well, we've got yeah. 
But they've got like a, a, a you can get the thing that they crack it into that makes it a circle. Yeah, we used to have when I worked at McDonald's, they were it was a it had a handle and it had six rings on it. Mm-hmm. You'd put it on the flat top and then you'd crack six eggs into it because you could do six at a time. Yeah, crack six eggs into it, but you had to break the yolk. Yeah, you have because to break, you you gotta break the yolk because if you serve it hot and someone bites into it, that yolk goes all over your face and on your mm-hmm. chin it burns you. Mm-hmm. So I you always to, had I to break to the yolk. One of those. I need to get me one of those. Seriously. Yeah, we used to. You know, they they they, they were the they were metal rings, little round metal rings. So if, the, if if can I uh, let me? I'm picturing it in my mind's eye here. So you got the handle. It's a handle, handle. Yeah, and then it's surrounded by uh, like six rings around in a. In a circle. No, it's like it's. Oh, it's straight. It's like a six pack. It's like the oh, top of a six pack. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It's like the top of. It looks like the top of a six pack. Only mm-hmm. it's on. It's it's got this metal handle. Handle sticking out of it. Right. So, and then in the, to clean it, you can remove the rings. Okay. You know, to, so you can clean the you can clean the rings and the and the handle thing separately. But it's but it's kind of longer. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it, like a long rod almost. But it's three. It's, it's, three. it's three deep on each side. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. three eggs deep on each side. I got you. And it's got a cover. You put a cover over it, too. It's got a, a, a mm-hmm. metal cover. That and that'll help over. cook it kind of yeah. quicker. Yeah. That kick, yeah. Okay. And then you I can set the timer because in McDonald's, everything was set by a timer. Oh, yeah, because it needs beep, to be. Beep, 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 Then you knew when to turn the burgers. I, that, and... That's why I couldn't work in a McDonald's is because oh, the be- constant be- beeping would drive me insane. Oh, I mean, it's, and it's different kinds of, like, alarms and stuff going off. You got your, your French fry thing, you know, and then you have, like, a toaster that would make a noise. You know, like when you're to- when you're toasting the when you're toasting the buns and stuff. Um, you got the sweeps, the beeps, and the creeps. Yeah, no, you'd have it all. And then, like, if you were cooking on the, f- you know, if you're cooking because they had flat tops. Right, right. You're cooking on the flat top. You would hit a button on the flat top, and and then it would beep to tell you when to turn the patty. And then, um, you know, we had like a communication. We had like codes and stuff. We would say, uh, like, if somebody was at the bin, because there'd be a person who would be at the food bin, especially when we were really busy, when we were getting slammed, and they would call out what what we need to cook next. So they'd be at the bin. They would manage the bin to make sure that the bin was nice and full. Uh, and so they would they would go back and say, um, six max. Okay, so you would you would uh, you would get twelve patties on the grill, um, and then they would say, and then five um, five uh, five hamburgers on the turn. And that's when the beeper goes off for the Mac, for the Big Mac patties. You turn them, and that's when you lay five hamburgers down. So it, was, it would be stuff like that. But, yeah, timers, beepers, everything. Especially when you're getting slammed. I mean, it, it, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean you know, because there would be times, because I worked at the one at Irving and Major, right by Luther North, just, just west of Central on Irving, and I worked there for, for years, and that place got slammed. That, 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 that place got slammed. So... All right, uh, let me give you some weather here. Uh, We'll break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about fast food facts that are actually false. All right, hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, live in the Skyline studio. By the way, rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. It's the first. It's also my dad's birthday today. Happy birthday to my dad and rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. We're talking about fast food facts that are really not facts. And uh, what are your favorite fast food items? And you, have you ever tried to replicate them at home? Here's Lisa on WGN. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Hi. Um, I was just telling... 
Um, if you wanted to get the same effect of your Egg McMuffin-shaped egg, if you take a tuna fish can and cut the lid and the bottom off of it, wash oh. it off, and then use that as your ring. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's yep. a that's a very good Save idea. Save the money. Yeah, that's yep. a, that, very so. good. Very good. Thanks, yeah, Lisa. Tell your, tell your dad happy birthday. I will. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's, a, that's clever. Tuna can, clean it out, cut off both lids. Boom. You've got your uh, Egg, McMuff- Egg McMuffin shaper. So... Um, here's the thing. Um, but we got more myths here. Taco Bell uses dog food grade meat. Even among fast food chains, Taco Bell stands out for its ridiculously low priced food, which has led people to wonder what kind of corners were being cut to get the prices that low. Rumors claim that the chain used meat barely fit for human consumption called grade D, even though that doesn't exist. In 2014, Taco Bell addressed these concerns by revealing that their meat is beef with a mixing of seasons, seasonings and thickeners. Taco Bell is probably one of the healthiest chains that you can eat at, says the, the doctor. Um, they were one of the first to hire a staff nutritionist, which led to the introduction of a lighter fresco menu. Everything on its 350 calories or less uh, has everything on it and has 10 grams of fat. They also vowed to reduce the sodium content, and make other healthy changes. Now, they're saying this is a myth, Tom, but we just had a story about it. McDonald's burgers won't decay. Well, I think, I, you know, when I read through this one, when I was going through and trying to figure out what these myths were, um, it seems that this one is more about, like, what the definition of decay is. Okay. Like, they're arguing that technically it does decay, just in a different way than you I would see. expect, right? Okay. How about this? KFC gets its meat from mutant chickens. I remember this one. Mutant chickens? Yeah. Are they teenage like mutant with chickens? Extra, extra legs, or they've been shot up and have giant, uh, giant breasts. They've been shooting them full of stuff. Well, I just figure that they purposely make the chickens fat. There's really, really fa- like uh, that. That I think that is true. That they purposely overfeed chickens so that they get really, really plump. Yeah, they, they, there, there are concerns about you know uh, factory farming and of course genetically modified meat, which has has been known to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen some of these chickens that they that they've injected? They with can't stuff? walk. It's ridiculous. Orion would be in tears. Oh God. And uh, you know, because I, I mean, I buy quite a bit of chicken. You know, I eat a lot of lean. I try to eat a lot of lean meat, and I swear the uh, the chicken breasts you're getting over at Aldi, yeah, those are not regular chickens. They're huge. Mm-hmm. Um, here's uh, Doc on WGN. Go ahead, Doc. Hey man, uh, you mentioned there was a guy that you said have recipes. I don't remember that, but there was a woman that appeared on Donahue and. First time in 1981, and she, uh, Gloria Pitzer, P-I-T-Z-E-R, and she called herself the recipe detective and put out a series of books, and she would tell you how to duplicate KFC or if you wanted to make homemade shake and bake or how to make the special sauce for Big Macs. And in the first six months after she was on, 15,000 people sent her recipes of where they thought they had perfected home recipes of mm. various fast food things. Wow. But I, I was looking up, and it said that in 2018, she put out a book called The Best of the Recipe Detective. Oh, okay. We'll have to look that up. 
And you were talking about chicken breasts. Minnie Pearl once said that somebody had bred this chicken that had three breasts, and it, so you got an extra wing. And they said, well, did it taste any different? She goes, I don't know. Nobody's been able to catch the damn thing yeah, yet. Yeah, that's right. Okay, thanks, Doc. Sorry, man. That's a, that's a, that's like that joke that I that's like that a joke that I told. Yeah, where the guy's driving down the road and he's doing like fifty miles an hour, and suddenly he looks out his window and there's a three legged chicken running right next to his car, keeping up with him. And so he starts to go sixty, and the chicken with the three legs just runs up, and then he starts to go eighty. Now he's doing ninety miles an hour, and the chicken is running next to him, keeping up with him with his three legs. And then the chicken tears off the road and runs into a farm. So the guy pulls into the farm and he walks up. And he walks over to the farmer who's outside, and he says, I'm sorry, do you raise three-legged chickens? He's like, yeah, I raise three-legged chickens. He goes, well, how do they taste? He goes, I don't know. I haven't caught one yet. <laughs> I love that joke. Oh, uh, that's funny. I love that joke. Uh, that's, that, you know, that's, that's just wholesome. It is. It's funny. <laughs> All right, how about uh, chicken McNuggets are made with pink slime? Oh, pink slime. The old pink slime. Well, I, I think a lot of that stems from, uh, do you know the British, you know Jamie Oliver, right? Of course. You know. The, Brits kind of hate him. Oh, they, I know. They find, I, they find I, him I, really pretentious. Well, not only that, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of chefs hate him, not just Brits. Oh, is it just because they think he's You know who hates his guts? Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Well, Gordon Ramsay probably <laughs> thinks, he probably, Gordon Ramsay's the kind of chef that probably would have bullied him on the chef playground. Uh, he won't I, lo- let him, I love Gordon Ramsay. He won't let him sit with him at lunch. I love Gordon Ramsay. But have you seen the video of Jamie Oliver showing them, like, what chicken nuggets are made out of? Like, the yes. kind of. Well, he does a lot of that. He yeah. does a lot of that, like, expose stuff, where he's like, here's what's really in this. But he shows the kids. It's like this is what's really in your chicken nuggets. It's like you know, rib, you know, crappy rib meat right, and all this right. other basically pink, quote unquote, pink slime. And then he's just like, now would you still eat chicken nuggets after seeing all that? And all the kids are like, oh hell yeah, no, totally. Well, they, you can't not you can't be a, a kid and not eat chicken nuggets. That's what kids eat. Chicken every nuggets. Single, every <laughs> single kids menu at every single restaurant, chicken nuggets are on it. God bless America. Yep. And then uh, finally, to put this myth, uh, Arby's does not use liquid meat. <laughs> well, I, was it Rod that mentioned the meat log? Yeah, the meat log. Yeah. yeah, That's what they use. It's not liquid. It's a meat it, log. It's a meat log. And it's good. And how about Here. this? There's a myth. Wendy's chili has human fingers in it. Oh, I remember. That was such a big deal. Yeah. Well, you remember, you know what this, and this is, I think this is actually true, when, um, a burger maybe gets flipped over and uh, and breaks apart on the grill. They they cut it up and they throw it in the chili. That makes sense. Yeah, like if they, ruin, if they ruin a burglar, they'll chop it up and they'll throw it in the into the Wendy's chili. Wendy's has good chili too. So, all right. Well, there you go. Try and replicate your favorite fast food items at home and see how you do. Uh, <laughs> what do we got tomorrow? Well, you got to get ready for some Know Your Onion. Oh, Know Your Onion. That's right. Okay, everybody's got to get ready for that. All right, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we're coming up on the early morning news.